You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. The only people for me are the mad ones. The world is filled with the boring and the barely conscious. Misery loves company. But we don't have to live this way. Jessica and I are here to talk to those the system rejects, to radicals and thought criminals. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but push the boundaries of acceptable discourse. Those who stare reality in the face and dare it to be different. History isn't made by the timid, and fun is not had by the perpetually afraid. We are the Mad Ones. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Mad Ones. I'm your deliciously hairy host, Cam Harless, and with me as always is your mostly hairless and much more smarter host, Miss Jessica <laughs> Soup Can Green. Thank you. How you doing, Jessica? Happy to be here as always, Cameron. Thank you. <laughs> Joining us today is the man behind the curtain, the endlessly dedicated researcher, partner, and quite hilarious co-host of the Propaganda Report with Miss Monica Perez, a man whose humor is as blue as my eyes and whose wit is as sharp as my elbows in a street fight, Mr. Brad Jar Jar Binkley. Hey. How you doing, man? Thank you. That was quite, quite an intro. Was, I've always admired <laughs> those blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of green in them, so I'm not perfect. But, yeah, you know, what can we, what can we do? <laughs> Gene editing, I guess, if you, if you needed something to do. We could do that. But, I, well, I mean, I think we can just get the coronavirus vaccine. That's right. That There's no telling what superpower. That's how you get people <laughs> who are vaccine reluctant to take that vaccine is you have it you have it released through a QAnon drop. It's like, hey, I heard that the few people have started getting super strength, sharper vision after taking the vaccine. And then people in those communities will take it. I'm sold. Let's do it. I'm in. Let's, yeah. Let's, yeah. Hey, give me that M- <laughs> mRNA. Let's do that yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I like I, I feel like when it comes to the podcasting world, that a lot of people invite Monica onto shows, and they don't just say, "Hey, I just want I just want Brad Binkley," and I feel like that's an injustice. So I wanted to have you on. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. It's very kind of you, yeah. Monica. Monica's about as sharp as they come in the libertarian community. She knows her stuff. So if I wasn't doing a show with her, I would want to have her on all the time. So I, right. I, uh, I'm happy that she's always on shows, and I'm happy that she's out supporting. And you know what? I feel honored to be on y'all's show today. I'm, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> I had a blast. We, we did it. We've done a couple shows together with a big group yeah. shows, and it's always been fun. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, it has. For sure. Yeah, I try to, I try to make it fun. Sometimes I do it. Uh, we the kind of the the it used to be make liberty great again and things kind of shifted and we're trying to do thought criminals and let me tell you i had a hard lesson in the fact that those conversations can be really fucking hard (laughs) this last sunday (laughs) oh yeah yeah you had had a big guest on i did we did I need to start saying we. I need to become the communist. I need to be to do this, <laughs> of course, of course. this show with Jessica. Um, but yeah, so to get started, um, you know, I, I do want to ask you questions about um, a lot of different things, seeing how you got where you are, et cetera. But I wanted to start by saying, how good are you at throwing knives? I, I'm not. I mean, I'm decent. I'm decent at it. Uh, I got pretty good. Uh, well, I was bored during the coronavirus pandemic and 
watch too many superhero shows. So well, I think I would like to develop this skill that would only be useful in the very rarest of situations. <laughs> and then, and then just get good at it. I made a what? few videos of myself bouncing them off wood and then catching them and then, then dotting them in the center. Not that they were intentional, but I told my friends they were intentional. Trick shots anyway. It's pretty awesome. What superhero specifically inspired you to throw knives? Arrow. Oh, okay. Queen. You know, I haven't watched that yet. So well, it's terrible, I it but I love watching oh. terrible superhero shows. Fair enough. Just Thank got you done for watching the new Superman. Yeah. Yeah, they're terrible. I, I think they're terrible too. So kindred spirits. Yeah, my friends and I, we watched these CW shows as, you know, like we were 15 years old and clearly <laughs> we're not. And we make up these fake superheroes and we talk about building building gyms in the backyard so we can become Oliver Queen and the, the Green Lantern. And then we realize we're way too old to be having those. <laughs> it's nice to dream, though. And yeah. you should always have goals. Even yeah, of course. If they're insane. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. Totally. So I have done a stint in my Red Pill series into, well, like real life conspiracies, because all the Red Pills that I do are things that I can absolutely verify. And I know that, you know, you, you and Monica bring that to the table with the propaganda report. But I'm curious, um, one, what got you into um, conspiracy and seeing past the curtain and also have you ever read a book that didn't have propaganda in the title <laughs> a couple on that second question <laughs> the first question i was like when i was like 10 or 11 I, I was always into just conspiracy shows and conspiracy theories back when when the internet first started and it was dial up and you could only open up one page at a time i, I would i would research jfk and all, all that stuff I, i've always been I always kind of challenged authority. You get me in trouble a little bit as a kid. My dad used to tell me to go argue with the trees. I'm like, why, 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 why? Tell me why. <laughs> and so as I got older, I came upon Edward Bernays. And when I came upon Edward Bernays, this was probably like eight years ago or so. And I read that first book of his propaganda. And mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit. They, they, they just openly lie to you and they're talking about gleefully how they lie to you and that just kind of opened up the rabbit hole i started reading all his books and then i uh, started researching all, all the people who were involved in like the first propaganda organizations like the the committee on public information and the uk's the Ch not the chatham house the thing that predated the chatham house the war bureau back in the, the 20s and stuff and just went further and further back to find that this isn't new it's not new edward bernays wasn't the first he's not the last he, he claims to be but that's part of his propaganda yeah. to spin himself but <laughs> once you open that rabbit hole you, you don't really go back because it, it just kind of changes the way that you perceive the world especially the way we're, we're told how the world is uh, through the public education system oh absolutely well and it's like uh, for like i'll ask you this um there is one story that is not particularly it's not it doesn't have anything to do, the, to do with the government on its face at all that made me question the official story, um, which was Kurt Cobain's suicide. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I went. I don't I don't buy this. Yeah. Something sounds something sounds off. Um, what was like the first story that you go? Hmm. This. I don't know if this makes any sense to me. That's a good question. The first news story like that 
because I didn't really pay attention to the news much when I was mm -hmm. younger. The first news story was probably 9-11. That's probably yeah. the first one that really made yeah. me go. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a big one for everybody, but that's 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 the event that really made a lot of people who didn't pay attention. It forces uh, it forces you to look at it because you're surrounded mm -hmm. by it. And yeah. Yeah, you see the contradictions, and obviously everybody questions that story now. Of course, it used to be left wing that used to question it. Now, if, if you question it now, you're QAnon. Now, 9-11, you question right. Lincoln, you question JFK, you're suddenly a racist QAnon person. But 9-11 definitely is the first time I really started paying attention to fake news. Right, right. right. And I, I should ask you that same question, Jessica. Yeah, I was wondering. I know oh, that really? we're here for Brad, but I want to know. I was thinking about it, and I was kind of hoping you wouldn't ask me because I – I kind of think that I was late to that game, but I yeah. remember there being a really big moment during the Charlottesville riots where I had been like clinging to my TV for 12 hours, like bloodshot eyes watching this go on. And it just like, it wouldn't end. And I didn't feel like I could turn it off. And I was just like, once I turned it off, I like could feel my blood pressure going down. And I was like, wow, that's, there's some kind of like, um, I, I would have described it maybe as like a magic spell, but like there's some psychology there that was like keeping me attached to it. And I was like, they're fucking with my brain. Yeah. And yeah. Um, then the next thing after that was Hurricane Irma, which followed very shortly after that event. And we could all see Anderson Cooper, I believe it was, pretending yeah. he was being blown <laughs> away by the breeze. And then there's a guy in shorts walking around behind him. That I was like. Up. They're messing with us big time. And I know that this, this was only like four or five years ago that this happened. Um, but yeah, those were kind of big moments that stick out to me as being aware that I was being lied to. Charlottesville is a is a big one that yeah. hopefully woke a lot of people up, but yeah. that a lot of people still cling to. And really, Biden announced his presidency and the entire time he ran because of what he saw in Charlottesville and the bulging veins and the eyes, bloodshot and the marching that a vice documentary was shot about these guys that were marching with the, the tiki torches the night before. Mm -hmm. It was a beautifully shot documentary. They, they clearly coordinated. They clearly had a, a set going on. Maybe these some of these people were real neo-Nazis, but, but this was, this was a, a docu-film put on there that became the basis yeah. of everything that happened the next day. And history has just been completely rewritten about it. And Biden would say, soul of the nation, soul of the nation. This is the soul of the nation. I saw yesterday, ABC, is either ABC or CBS, started a a series that they're doing called soul of the nation. And it's all about the black experience in America. And this plan from whatever it is from Charlottesville on, I'm sure that it was laid. The foundation was laid long before that. It's all based on this lie that they're telling about Charlottesville. It's maddening and it's, it's sick. That's one of the most disgusting parts about the race division. They're trying to stir up in America right now. Well, when I give myself a hard time about being so late to the game, I remember there are people who haven't figured it out yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you know, the I red pill comes at the at the opportune time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have to choose to take it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true there with all the, been, the pills. There had been other red pills before that, but I said, no, no, no. <laughs> like I have friends, my great shirt, by the way. Love the Led Zeppelin shirt. That's cool. Thank I you. One similar. Thank I was you. admiring your your bookshelf, your movie shelf behind you, Jessica. Also. They are books. Yeah. I, I, I also have movies, but those are books. <laughs> I, I love. I will. 
Some of these council on correlation meetings, they always green screen themselves, like in the biggest arrangement of books you've ever seen, but it's clearly a green screen. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> well, I have a re- I have a real sword, and That's a real awesome. cow, uh, a real deer skull, because I need you to understand that I'm from the south. Hell yeah, yeah! <laughs> and I love Braveheart. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Where in the south? Uh, well, I'm from Alabama. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I, I but, hell yeah, but um, yeah, but, but before I I was I was here, so I I did a whole like country tour before we ended up where we are now in Florida. Like I, we went to Georgia. We were. Do you know where Rockmart is? Yeah, yeah. So I lived in Rockmart for about two years, and then we went out to Pennsylvania for seven months. And I was I was actually talking about this with a stranger at Fuzzy's Tacos the other day because he wasn't wearing a mask and I was like, Hey, you're not wearing a mask. I'm going to talk to you. Yeah. Oh, you and, uh, <laughs> kudos, to, kudos to fuzzy's tacos yeah, was, for that restaurant name. Definitely stuck out. Right. To me also. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he was sitting there and I was just like, I don't know how these people do this mask shit, man. And he was like, I don't either. And so then we started talking and uh, it was, I was, you know, telling him and it's, it's true. Like uh, Ryan, another guy who does, uh, he does techno agorist. He works with me on the whole network. Um, he, I had moved up to Pennsylvania to, uh, to work with him. And it hit March 17th of last year, St. Patty's day. Yeah. And I was starting to feel like this coronavirus thing's going to go weird, et cetera. I, ha- I was in Wawa picking up a sandwich and uh, the lady in front of me goes, uh, she said, you know, I really wish that Governor Wolf was as strong as Cuomo. And I was like, I don't want to be here yeah. because nothing had gone down yet. But I was just like, that's crazy. And so I walked into the liquor store in Pennsylvania to pick up a bottle of Irish whiskey so I could make Irish car bombs on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And when I walked in, I looked to the side and there were some, some boards against the wall. And I was like, that's really weird. And I talked to the lady and she was like, oh, by the way, we're, this is the last day we're going to be open. And I was like, what are the boards for? And they're like, oh, we're boarding up the liquor store when we close tonight. And I was like, bye. Yeah. And we, <laughs> within two weeks, we were down in Florida. And Ryan and some other people were like, I don't really understand necessarily what you're doing. They didn't see I get, I was like the canary in the coal mine. I was just like, I see some weird stuff going on. I'm leaving. And that guy was like, you're smart. You just, you just listened. You, you listened to instinct and you did it right. And it was just like such as this weird old man. And we had this great conversation. I was like, thank you for talking to me while I waited for my tacos. He sounds like a, like a cool guy that probably has a lot of story. This old man. Yeah, the strange I, old guy at the bar always has good stories. At Fuzzy kids. Tacos, definitely. At Fuzzy well, Tacos, the, yeah. <laughs> the fun part was that he like really connected to the Irish part of it and how I'm I am part Irish. And so he he had said something while I was leaving. You know, I told him, you know, I don't trust the government at all. I don't want the government to do any of this stuff. Trump, Biden, whatever. Fuck them. I'm not interested. And when, we was, when I was leaving, he goes, uh, Aaron, go bra. And I was like, into the into the tyrant's Pogue Mahone. He goes, oh, kiss my ass. I like you. <laughs> That's great. That's you got to love a guy who says kiss my ass is a term of endearment. Yeah, yeah, that's that. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Fuck you, asshole. You're well, that kind of guy. Yeah. Exactly. Well, 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 that's what Pogue Mahone means in Irish. 
So he oh, actually really? understood the Irish I was oh, spitting. Okay. A little yeah. dog whistle. And there. I was like, hey man, yeah. Okay, let me talk about dog whistles for a second. <laughs> how come it's only oh, how go. come it's only leftists that hear these fucking dog whistles? They what have higher frequencies in their their hearing. <laughs> it's almost like they're, they're ready such, to hear them. They're such good people that they perceive at a higher level than right. the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. And we should be grateful that they're spending a few minutes on us. Because of them, anytime I see somebody holding their index finger to their thumb, I know there's a racist white supremacist in the area. <laughs> <laughs> a dog whistle. I do. I do feel like since I've been asked every time I've been on someone else's show what I'm drinking while I'm talking to them, today it's a, a nice monkey shoulder, which is a blended scotch. So if you're interested, this stuff's pretty good. It, look, it looks I, not, did you make not that? a sponsor. Did you buy that? I bought it. It's a uh, yeah, mon- look at the look at the little monkey oh, okay. medallion. It's okay. pretty tight. Yeah, that's awesome. But I think fe- apparently people care about that. And Nick Bacone from um, Peace Freaks wants me to get so drunk that my um my southern accent comes out but it's like it doesn't oh, exist no. that, that might be fun right there you get a little, <laughs> get a little redneck in there <laughs> yeah i lived in chicago for a year years ago and yeah. never have i been more redneck ever in my life than right I was in chicago because people in chicago could could sense my accent and the like the friend that i hung out with up there all the time he was from texas so he also was southern and we recognized that we were like a novelty just the way we talked regularly so we yeah. kind of amped it up a little bit and you know six months into chicago i'm talking like hey boys how you doing well, yeah, I'm, I'm the biggest <laughs> redneck you've ever seen it's like a dog and pony show people in chicago are like look at these southern creatures ordering sweetly <laughs> the first time i ever heard someone use the n-word unironically and offensively was in chicago i i, I saw david allen Coe in chicago mm. i don't know who david allen Coe is he is uh he sings you don't have to call me darling that that's that song he's got a lot of songs that um you you find out are are a little or a lot racist and i didn't know that when <laughs> yes i know who this is it's like holy shit <laughs> Well, now we know. Holy shit. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm actually Joe Cleveland. Joe Cleveland from is that family guy? I don't know. I was I was told to ask you who is Joe Cleveland. Joe Cleveland is I think that's a character on one of those that's familiar. I know I think Monica and I've talked about Joe Cleveland character. Maybe that's the maybe the voice I was doing sounded kind of like him. I don't know. I will tell you now that I asked Monica for questions and things to ask you. <laughs> and that's one of them. So they yeah. will be peppered throughout. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was something Monica and I had talked about. So the Family Guy character is Cleveland Brown. There's a Joe Cleveland on Instagram who plays guitar. But that's all I got. Oh, my God. I know who Joe Cleveland is. That's the character I played in Swamp Murders. I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Swamp Murders. I played a redneck in uh, an investigative discovery show, and I played Joe Cleveland, and he's in the Dixie Mafia, and I get killed in the show. But I talk like this the whole time, and I'm just trying to get in with my buddy, who we kill people and then he kills me and has his way with my my wife. Wow. <laughs> it's it's on the discovery every so often, so you might catch it. It's it's hilarious. I'm gonna hunt this down. 
<laughs> I'm, I am actively on the prowl I for this episode. Who that was? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know asking you who that was, and I was like, the Cle- I'm thinking of the Cleveland show now, and I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I have I have a couple more years. here. I haven't seen that in years, but every now and then, because it's on like it used to be on Netflix or Amazon. Every now and then somebody will come up to me in the coffee shop and they'll just kind of like very gently approach me and go, are you in swamp murders? <laughs> <laughs> like, get the hell away from me, asshole. Like, oh my God. Because, you know, a lot of people can't separate the actor from the character. Totally. So, I had, yeah. yeah, I had an experience like that. I don't know if you've ever seen Prison Break. Show was on a long time. This is also when I was, when I was in Chicago. Yeah. The guy who plays the the pedophile that's in prison, he's the sleaziest character. Teabag? Yes, Teabag. That's exactly who it is. Yeah. He used to get coffee at the Starbucks that I walked past every morning. And he would sit there and read the paper. And every morning I walked by, I'd look in the window and just be like, fucking Teabag. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably really nice, too. He probably is. Yeah. It's, I feel bad for following him everywhere. And, you know. <laughs> I have a similar I was in a class and there was a guy that would walk in every day to the class he looked like my friend's ex-boyfriend who I hated and I didn't realize but I was mean mugging this dude every day eventually he got the nerve up to come up and be like I'm sorry do we know each other and I'm like oh no not at all he goes well you're just staring at me like I've done something to you and like I'm so fucking sorry you just look like this guy Eric that I hate so from then on I made sure to smile at him yeah Guys named Eric are the worst. I think we can Aren't all agree they? on that. Um, but Binkley, have have you ever heard about how much I legitimately hate Sean Astin? No, I haven't. Why? Okay, so here's the deal. This is something that up until this point has been something that's been known about me is that I hate Sean Astin and you I hate don't Samwise? I hate Sean Astin. Here's why. In probably about 2013, 2014, I was asked to be a featured extra on a film called Mommy's Night Out or something like that. I think it's a Christian film. I have to make sure. Yeah, Yeah, Rudy. Yeah, Yeah, Samwise Gamgee. Um, So I was asked to be in this movie. I had a beard and long hair, and they were like, hey, this guy looks like a biker. Let's let's ask him to be in our movie. Yeah. I brought my motorcycle. I had just upgraded several things on my motorcycle. I was very excited, very happy about it. And I was like, I can be a featured extra. I can, I can show my face. And so I get to set, and I meet Sean Astin. I am maybe one of the world's biggest Lord of the Rings fans outside of Stephen Colbert. That's my shit. Yeah. And I meet Sean Astin, and I'm like, wow, dude, you're really cool. You're really down to earth, all of that. This dude is like, hey, at some point in this film, I need to ride a motorcycle. I really like yours. Would you mind if I ride it? And I'm, I'm like, you know, you're Sean Astin. I'm a little starstruck at the moment. Yes, you can ride my motorcycle. This guy gets on my motorcycle and starts riding it around. He rides it around so long that I'm no longer, like, by the time everyone left for set, I'm, I wasted enough time and didn't have my motorcycle in order to be a featured extra. And so I was a little bit frustrated by that. I had to ride bitch with some dude I didn't know to get to the set. To, to just to be in the crowd scene. And then I get a call as we're waiting for the shooting to start from a friend of mine who's a PA. 
and he says, uh, hey, uh, do you want to go back to your motorcycle? And I was like, yes, I'd love to. I'd love to be able to do this. <laughs> and he was like, okay, well, here's the deal. Sean Aston really wants to thank you for letting you ride his motorcycle. I was like, okay. I was like, he, it, it, Sean Aston had told me that he had insurance and it had been taught by Harley trained instructors to ride a motorcycle, by the way. <laughs> he says he wants to thank you and he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you personally, but he did drop your motorcycle. Mother fucking Sean Aston. And so I'm Rudy. driving back. I'm driving back with Rudy. Uh, and I'm like, is he on your lap, no. sitting on your knee? <laughs> no, I was in a car, but I get back. He's this big. <laughs> and I go to the, to his trailer, and my friend goes, "Yeah, he just wants to apologize and take care of whatever needs to be taken care of." I'm like, "Okay, that you, you know, got invited to up. Rudy's trailer, <laughs> right?" Yeah, and so I pull up, and uh, Rudy's standing there, and I'm like, "What's up, man?" And that dude pretended like he didn't ride my he didn't drop my motorcycle he sat there and asked me what is it that you do like he goes let's say you're riding your motorcycle and you come to a stop what do you do to make sure that it doesn't tip over and he was like that didn't happen but what do you do if that happens and i was like it does you know i was like you midget fuck you put your feet down and you hold on to the motorcycle I didn't say the midget fuck part. That was all yeah. up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But he, this dude pretended that it didn't happen. He gave me my keys back. And I, I'm just like really confused and a little pissed. And I drive off and I go home and then I look at my motorcycle and literally every single new part that I had put on my motorcycle recently was scuffed. That is messed up. So I have a personal beef. With Samwise Gamgee, and I have a no hobbit rule on my motors. No, no, they <gasps> legitimately pretended it didn't happen. Trixie, goddamn hobbits is that's crazy. So I have I have a no hobbit rule. If Billy Boyd walks up to me and he's like, "Hey, can I ride your motorcycle?" I'm going to be like, "Fuck you." Yeah, that Pippin. that's that's messed up. They, I mean they they should compensate you for that, but they do. They on film productions, a lot of film productions, they treat extras like absolute dog shit. They they yeah. they do they they will. There was this one time I, I it was a commercial for the NBA playoffs that I was in, and it was me and three of the other actors that were cast were were in this room, and then there was like seventy five extras crammed into a closet, and they they, yeah. they walked they walked us outside for the the craft services thing, and it's like this long. I mean, it's like a mile long. We could we could never eat it in a million years. And then they like threw a sandwich into the closet for all the extras. And right. then at one point, I, I was I was like, man, I said to one of the uh, other actors, I was like, I, I need, you know, if there's any Red Bulls around here, because Red Bull is it's really healthy drink. And she's like, I, I don't know, almost every day. Yeah, I drink way too much Red Bull. But I, I wasn't asking one of the PAs, but one of the PAs came in a few minutes later, and they kind of walked in and was like. You're Brad, right? I was like, yeah. You're the one looking for the Red Bull? I was like, that's me. Yeah, I'm looking for the Red Bull. And, and, and she goes, come with me, but don't tell the extras. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's messed up, man. Red Bull access. Yes. So. Yeah, that access. 
<laughs> I can't tell you. The first thing that I saw with Sean Astin in it past that point in time, I never watched the movie that I was allegedly in, yeah. was Stranger Things where he played Bob or whatever. Right. Yeah. And when he died, everyone else was crying. And I was yeah. like, some small yeah, modicum happy. of justice. Yeah. <laughs> so because I'm your friend, I'm going to get on board with the Sean Astin hate. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I'm telling yeah. you. It's very rewarding because mm-hmm. people never expect it because they're like, like on, on uh, TikTok, they'll be like, who is a celebrity that you've had a bad experience with? And I'm like, bitch, let me tell you, <laughs> Sean Astin, <laughs> piece of shit. You can go viral with a story like that, though. He's got, because he, everybody sees Rudy. Dude. Although I do see him in 24. He's kind of a bad guy in 24. He was in while. 24? Yeah. He was a, he was oh, a douchebag bureaucrat in 24. Who kept stopping Jack Bauer at every turn, at least in the beginning? Let me let me ask you this because I loved Twenty Four when I was a young man, and then I found Ron Paul, and I haven't watched it since. But I have a yeah. feeling if I watched it now, I'd be like aghast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they surveil everything. <laughs> <laughs> like it's that, hard that to watch moment. cop shows now. Yeah, it is. It is. You're like fuck like, these guys, they're breaking the law. <laughs> right like i i really enjoy watching brooklyn 99 because i think andy samberg is funny but is it's like funny. fuck these are cops man you know that they're not this happy-go-lucky and nice to people <laughs> yeah yeah cops are some <laughs> cops are i've had experiences with cops that are good i've had experiences with cops that aren't so good so like Brian. they tell this they have this these stories where everything, anything a cop does, what bothers me is anytime a cop does something, it, 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 they just frame it as racist if they want to. I'm like it, it could be a bad right. law. The guy could be a dick, but that doesn't mean it's racist. And I had a couple of instances where I got I got discriminated against. I was. Mm-hmm. Have I know you ever been arrested for being white? I wasn't arrested for being white in this situation, but I was pulled over because. They said I didn't use my blinker and then they ran my license, my license, and it came back suspended. It shouldn't have come back suspended. I had paid a ticket, but the recorder's court did not. They didn't put it in the system. So it wasn't even the cop's fault. But this was on Moreland Avenue in Atlanta. And so he called all the other police officers in the area and they were all black guys. And he double handcuffed me. I I usually dress like uh, like holding my jeans. A uh, wigger. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. <laughs> With a w- weird oh. hair. And, um, <laughs> and so, but that day I just, I was doing, I'd been doing a corporate improv training. So I looked like a banker. I looked like most Brad's you imagine would look, look like right. a banker, Brad. And so they get me out, they double handcuff me, they parade me up and down Moreland Avenue. And, mm-hmm. They're all laughing at me, and they bring an armored police car, an armored truck really? to come, yeah, to paddy wagon to go take. They throw me wow. in the back of that, and it was like an hour. I had to beg the guy to let my friend come get my car because I just lived right down the street. And then the guy's boss, this was a young guy who arrested me. He came and sat in was the back. Was Sean Aston? Yeah, the Sean Aston of the story. He sat in the paddy wagon and told me exactly what was going on. He told me that they were doing that because I, I was a white dude, and he apologized to me for it. So he was a black guy, also he was a super nice guy. And then they they I went and I spent a few hours in in jail, and I got in trouble there because I kept looking over at whoever was sitting next to me, going, "What are you in for, man?" And they were 
and really big guys. So when Cam asked you if you had been arrested for being white, I started to laugh. But then you said Moreland Ave. I'm from Atlanta. And I went, oh, shit. He was arrested for being Uh white. That's legit. Yeah. Yeah. Moreland is is, uh, it's an interesting, interesting strip there. Why were you even there? I live like I was I lived in oh. Enzo at the time, right down the street. But I bet someone asked you why you were on Moreland Avenue. He uh, suited suited up white man. No. Yeah. yeah. Why no, are totally. you here? Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. Yeah. That shift that story shifted so quickly. <laughs> what's funny is you naturally moved into one of the questions that Monica told me to ask you. Oh, what was the question? If you've ever been arrested for being white. <laughs> Monica knows. She knows the story. Yeah. <laughs> Another incident when I was younger. I was younger. I, I was a little wild when I was a little younger. I Right. This was, By I was the way, can I ask I you? Can I ask you how old you are? I am a millennial in my 30s. That's as far as we get. I am also a millennial in my 30s. Yeah. I'm probably a little We're bit old. older than you guys. Yeah, probably not. Probably well, that's the thing. I, I can't not. tell. I'm the old, I'm usually the oldest one. I'm 37 going on 38. We're close to the same age. I'm a okay. little, I'm little 32. older than you. <laughs> Really? Yeah. yeah. I take pride in being the, the eldest. Yeah, the old well, man. You look, yeah, I figured you were in your 20s. Oh, well, I declare. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell how old people are anymore. So I'm, I'm not good like, at it either. Yeah. Now, I have a lot, much more appreciation for the carnival guy who can guess within months of people's birthday <laughs> yeah i always go and make them guess my weight because they gotta be nice <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't know <laughs> like i'm getting this prize that's great that's awesome <laughs> you gotta game the system man yeah yeah i mean i don't know why this made me think about what you're saying about mask earlier but i haven't had somebody tell me to put a mask on in, in a, a, right. a gas station or a grocery store or anything, but I've been waiting for that moment because as soon as it happens, I'm, I'm going to immediately accuse that person of stealing my mask and just start <laughs> screaming. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, oh, I've, oh, I've thought about God. this. I've thought about this eventuality as well because I've I, like, apparently I look like I could probably beat you up. That's, that's apparently what comes across. Um, because I can mean mug pretty good, yeah. but I've wondered like, what does it take? Let me, let me back up. Women, when it comes to masks are treated so much more poorly than men yes. are. Thank you for saying it. Thank you. It is Finally. like, because, because I didn't quite buy it until literally my wife walked away from me in Sam's club and she's wearing our newborn baby and some asshole woman walks up to her and it's like why aren't you wearing a mask for your baby and it's like because babies don't die of coronavirus you fuck <laughs> like yeah. what are you asking i've never been rep- approached once yeah at all and so i've thought about it and i've been like okay cam i know you're gonna want to but it's probably not the best thing to say go fuck yourself feels good though <laughs> I, I think it would. I can't imagine the catharsis of having some Karen walk up and me go, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Pl- politely go fuck yourself, please. Right. So my <laughs> husband cruelly forces me to go into the art supply store by myself. So um, what, a, that's, what a jerk. 
oh, what a jerk. And um, so that's the only place I go where I wear a mask because it's full of women. And as a woman, that's the most likely place I am to be accosted. I can go in Home Depot by myself without a mask. No problem. Yeah. Michaels, you better wear a mask yeah, or it's waiting. your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have but needles, they, too, knitting needles. My, a friend they of mine went to into go after women. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. A friend of mine, this although he's a guy, he went into Borders, and I was like, they still have Borders in Atlanta? But wow. just, right. Yeah, and he goes in, and, and he got in this confrontation. These people kept telling him to wear a mask, and he kept saying no. He has mask on, like, on his chin, and they kept right. saying, put it up over your face. Uh, put, you know, put it over your nose. Put it over your nose. I told him, I was like, you should just pick it up from here and just put it completely over your nose. <laughs> Or but, just act really right. confused right. and like yeah, keep yeah. shifting how it, it. How does it work? I don't get it. <laughs> and so he kept saying no, kept saying no, and they kept saying yes. And then he took the stuff he was going to buy. He threw it on the ground. He goes, fuck you. Go back to China and walked out of the store. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they looked at each other like, we're not uh, even Asian. Yeah, I know. Just... <laughs> well, it's like, like I said, apparently I look like a mean person if you're not talking to me because like if you know me you should know by now brad and jessica that i'm a sweetheart yeah i'm a kind person i really like i really care for people but if you don't know that apparently the beard plus the hair kind of makes people think that i'm probably a biker that's going to kill you yeah Um, when i was right so when i was like 22 (laughs) 23 i had a girlfriend and no. um nice yeah i had like four of them <laughs> wow but, <laughs> right. but but i had this girlfriend and she worked at zaxby's and there was a guy that worked there that kissed her without her consent and i was like oh, how God, do you right? do that yeah. first off how do you how do you actually get that close before going hey no don't do that it's like a but, trick they do in there I don't know what it is. I, I, this is some some magical <laughs> yeah. trick. Look over there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he had tried. He had kissed her or tried to kiss her, and I was not happy about it. And when I'm not happy about something, women are very good at talking me out of being violent. That's like good. that's just that's a fact. Like yeah. I, like my um, there's there was some stuff that happened with my wife early on. When we were dating where I was like, I'm going to kill this person, and she was like, Please don't kill this person mm-hmm. and i was like okay i'll just maim them um <laughs> but but i was so one day uh i knew about this i was pissed off she said no don't don't do anything i said okay and she calls me one day and she said hey do you want some free zaxby's and i was like hell yes hell i yeah, want some yeah. free zaxby's and so i drive I, I jump on my motorcycle and i drive to zaxby's i ride to zaxby's rather because we talk about motorcycles in in singular horse terms whereas cars we talk about it as though we're riding a stagecoach with horses it's such a weird (laughs) thing how words sense to me no that's completely Um, sensical to me that's proper right so i i was riding i rode to the zaxby's i had my my leather on i because i you know like i don't i don't fuck around i mean i pretend that i'm in a club when i wear my leather like i want people to know that like I don't carry a hammer, but yeah. you know, I want people to know that I'm not someone to screw with. All right, ashless chaps um, feel good too. 
<laughs> yeah, they do. Well, the beauty of assless chaps is that so many people say assless chaps, and you don't even have to add the assless part right. because chaps. all chaps are assless. See. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I pull up. I don't wear chaps, but I pull up. <laughs> And my my girlfriend and this guy that I'd never seen before are standing outside. I back up my bike, how you do, how you do, and I start getting up and I walk towards them. And this little dude runs as fast as he can to his car, gets in it, peels out, and drives away. And I I walk up to my girlfriend and I'm like, "What was that? I've I, I don't understand what I just saw." And she says, oh, well, he tried to kiss me again, and I told him that you were coming to beat him up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, by the way, Where's my tell someone chicken? this before <laughs> he pulls up. And That's also, awesome. give me those nuggies. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, she lured you there with free chicken. That's great. She did. Yeah. And then I was, But it was like, I can't tell you, like, you don't feel more masculine than when you pull up to a place and a dude straight up sprints and peels out in his car. Like, it's like, right. Mm, yeah. Oh, God, I feel like a man. <laughs> it's good it turned out that way. So it's, it'd be, it'd right. suck if that happened and the person was like, you talking about this? Like, be, yeah. Right. <laughs> I think the leather, you know, talked him out of it. Yeah, the bike. You got the look. You got the, uh, how tall are you? I'm about 5'11". Uh, yeah, so nice. you, got, you got a good height. I'm about my height, and you, you got the beard. I can see that. See the intimidation factor right. with the leather working. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm 4'11". So. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people feel very comfortable fucking with me until they do it, and then I get loud. And then yeah. they You get loud. It. Yeah, I get super loud. And you send loud. your dogs. I saw your cat make an appearance a moment ago. Kind of stuck yeah. her head in the frame. <laughs> Which is interesting because she's really scared of people, but I guess she'll come on the podcast. So Yeah. yeah my dog yeah, makes she... an appearance from time to time. That's good. I love when dogs randomly come on people's podcasts. Yeah, or I think sometimes it's great. sometimes their kids just pop in and yeah. I'm all like, what's up? Or if you're Jeffrey Tube and your penis pops in. It's... Oh, <laughs> fantastic so, is it that his name Tubin? i know it's great <laughs> no way. Awesome. the universe just gave that to us as a gift and i think we should appreciate it i do i pray i thank god for that one every night <laughs> speaking of penises have All you right. ever Let's... seen a homeless person masturbate i have yes monica and i have i'm sure you got that from monica as well i was taking <laughs> together i was yes we, we monica and i together saw a homeless man masturbate at 1 a.m in atlanta you want to know how I know? Go ahead. <laughs> it was glorious. It was a glorious moment. I, we were leaving WSB. I was uh, giving her, her her ride. She was staying at a hotel down the street. I was taking her back to her. Um, <laughs> no, it was a Christmas party, I think. So we went we went to the Christmas party for WSB or something like that. Then I, we had to go back to WSB or something. And then we were. I was going to drive her back to her where she was staying. And right across from where WSB is, there is a bus stop. And there was a guy. It was almost guy. And he had uh, he, he like put a sheet over him. And you could just you could see his. Oh God! You could see it. I mean, he was clearly like we looked at him for a minute. Like is this guy, he, yeah. he's master. This guy is clearly masturbating. What are you gonna do? Waiting for the bus, you know? So, so I I love the show. It's always in sunny in Philadelphia. That's I love it. Show, yeah. It's a great show. But the episode where they just walk under the pier and there's a 
one homeless dude boning another homeless dude i was like can i watch this show anymore i don't i don't want to see this i mean i, I know i didn't episode. see the beggar but still yeah they go to they go to the jersey shore and they're walking underneath the boardwalk because they say this is where like all the romances happen yeah and they stumble on two bums banging each other and charlie goes what is that i don't want to see anything like that and he's like there are other kinds of romances under the boardwalk yeah but when you were telling that story i was about to go you know how i know you're from atlanta but you're like in atlanta we saw a homeless man yeah. masturbating yeah. i was like yeah that's how i know you know that's how you know from, from atlanta. atlanta yeah, there, yeah. That's, it's hard to go anywhere without seeing a homeless man masturbating in atlanta no, and um, actually, I was at a Home Depot in Gwinnett recently, and I saw a homeless lady taking a BM right out front. And I thought, oh, it's so good that the cosmopolitan uh, nature of Atlanta has moved out here to the suburbs. Great, yeah, <laughs> yeah. San Francisco right outside your door. And nobody wants yeah. to be the person to... to stop them you know there's they got to draw straws you got to you want to go stop the homeless lady shit in front of the store or do i am i going to do it and that conversation has <laughs> got to be really awkward ma'am sorry we have to ask you to stop no my my aunt was the perfect troll because as we drove by she saw it and she goes oh my god look and i looked oh, and god. i made eye contact with that woman right in the middle of her public bm yeah. she was probably was perfectly like, wow. comfortable with the eye yeah she was good she was fine with it she looked me dead in the eye and i looked her dead in the <laughs> eye and i looked at my aunt i was like why would you do that and yeah. she was laughing her ass that's off, hilarious so. yeah it's funny <laughs> kudos, <laughs> kudos to renee <laughs> that's great it actually makes yeah. me think of some some copy pasta that i wrote earlier today some what you did. uh copy pasta um do you know copy pasta uh-uh the the wonderful thing about copy pasta is it is a um so people when they're on the internet they have, are very good about writing just nonsense long form messages to people to denigrate them or to argue with them or uh, you know just what have you and Copy pasta is one of my favorite things. Like uh, Stefan Kinsella has one of the best copy pastas of all time, which is the heavyweight copy pasta. Have you ever heard the heavyweight copy pasta? I don't think so. Let me so let me, what, let me actually a, look this you, up. You find it. What's important to know about copy pasta is that these people aren't doing it. They they think they're making right. entirely serious comments. They're taking themselves very seriously, and then the internet just sort of like grabs the thing that they said and repeats it over and over again because it's so absurd. Okay. So like Steve Kinsella was talking shit on the internet to somebody. He's like. Do you realize what a heavyweight you're talking to right now? To some <laughs> rando. And the internet was like, get a load of this dude. What an so asshole. Hundreds, <laughs> maybe even thousands of people started retweeting. Do you realize what a heavyweight you're talking to right now? And he's basically <laughs> famous for this shit now. So anytime somebody like starts taking themselves overly seriously, people on Twitter will be like, oh, we got a heavyweight here. I love that. Um, I love that. And for Steve's part, and, he he leaned into it. He yeah. didn't like get embarrassed. He didn't delete the tweet. It's still there. He leaned into the heavyweight thing and much respect to him. Yeah, that. that's awesome. So that's, that's all you can yeah. do, really. That is all and you can so, do. So the other day, there was some woman that was accosting Jessica. And I literally spent probably 30, 30 minutes to an hour just copying and pasting copy pasta to this woman. I and she that, had yeah. no she had no idea what was going on. Yeah. But today um 
there was a um, uh, objectivist Ayn Randian copy pasta that came out just naturally, organically. The and, rarest. Uh, this is, Those are the best. This person said, mm-hmm. uh, shut the fuck up, you pathetic spineless hack. How old are you? 40, 50? You can't debase an eight, eighth grader's logic, much less, much less a philosophy of Ayn Rand. The best comeback you have are one-liners like this one. Cringe AF. Oh, Bitch, you're, you're cringe <laughs> as fuck. And so I saw this moment, and I was like, you know, sometimes you just have to create the copy pasta. Sometimes he made you go own. into the kitchen, yeah, grab yeah. the eggs, grab the flour, and just make something up. So I want to share my original copy pasta from today with you. And so this guy, so he said that, and uh, Jessica, uh, he said to Jessica, "Whatever you say, stooge." And then he, she dropped the heavyweight copy pasta, which is, I think you should realize you're talking to a heavyweight and should be grateful <laughs> that I'm devoting a few minutes to you and take advantage of it and be respectful and not a punk. Uh, That's yeah. what I think. And this person came in and said, I beg thy mercy, your majesty. I hadn't realized I was in the president in the presence of royalty. And so I was like, Better time recognize. to write some copy pasta, motherfucker. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, shut your bitch ass up, you fruit basket looking motherfucker. I've had bowel movements with more depth of character than your Instagram spouting commie ass. Get this peasant level. My mama never loved me drivel out of my feed before I slap the devil out from between your big ass ears. Oh, my God. That's great. That's but awesome. It doesn't even mean to look it, like a just, fruit basket. It doesn't mean it, anything. And that's when you're like, I don't know what that means, but I'm insulted by it. I know that. You should, I mean, like, you feel denigrated, but you don't know why. <laughs> and Jessica sends me a message and she says, she says, is this some kind of Dadaism? Are you being absurd? <laughs> or does this mean something? And I was like, well, there's some tangential connection to the idea of looking like a fruit. But it was just like, <laughs> that would be funny to say. That's great. So, That's what Twitter so yes. is. It's just a, like an insult battle uh, uh, for the most part. That's what gets the most traction on Twitter. <laughs> That is the currency of Twitter. And I, I'm kind of working on this. I don't know if it's an essay exactly, maybe a blog post at best, but I do think that memes are neo-Dadaism. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Dadaism, the art movement. A little bit, yeah. But, but not, it's absurd. It's absurdist, yeah. basically. A guy took a urinal, like a actual, just actual urinal, and put it up as an art exhibit to right. yeah. point out the fact that art is retarded. Yeah. And so, you know, this is still to this day, this urinal, this actual urinal is in a glass case protected by armed guards in right. a museum. Okay, and I so have a, to have the urinal right now. Right, right. And so um, a, I think it was 2015, an artist went and peed on the glass box <laughs> that the urinal the value, is in. I'm sure. Which I'm kind of like gross, but I get it because it's literally just a urinal, you art hacks. So Dadaism <laughs> is basically, you know, we think that art is absurd. And so we're making art to make fun of art, basically. And that's what and I think she, memes are. And she messaged me and she says, is this a Dadaism? And I was like, let me Google that shit real quick. <laughs> and she was like, no, you're so good at this that I assumed you were a patron of the arts and i'm like a, a, no. a natural dadaist yeah pure instinct like i, I just yeah, i just write it's raw talent is what that is <laughs> <Raw talent. laughs> if anyone LeBron. wants yeah. if anyone wants to know the history of that urinal uh 
Duchamp is the name, and right. it's a very fascinating story. It's a lot of things I thought I might hear tonight, but I, I did not think that I would hear. If anybody wants to know the history of that urinal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, since you said really that, influential. What, did you, what did you expect to hear tonight? Well, I, I expected to hear some libertarian themes, which uh, you guys speak a lot about, great stuff. And I expected to hear some some jokes like we've been hearing. And other than that, I was just kind of open-minded to it. Good. Well, I'm glad. Way to go in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because no, I because, like you guys. Like, uh, I had a good time with you guys. I'm glad. I, I feel like, honestly, this is a breath of fresh air. Because, like, I, I, I messaged you. I was like, I'm going to be happy to be in the presence of friendly people. Yeah, yeah. Because... Yeah. Because my whole thing, and, th- and and like, I don't know, I doubt Hotep Jesus is going to listen to this. So let me just say, like, that was hard on me. Yeah. Like, it was like, wow, you know, you don't see me, you see kind of something else. And so, like, I've never had a moment in my life where I felt like I wasn't able to establish a human connection. Yeah. Because that's kind of one of, like, with humor comes the ability to break down walls. Mm-hmm. Like sure. when I was like 18 years old, I dated this girl and which was one of the four, that's, that's um, great. but I, <laughs> I dated this girl and her, her older sister was dating this guy and he comes to me. I just want to say how goes on PC that is right now, by the way. Sorry. I don't mean to what, date dating girls? girls. Yeah. Heterosexuality is disgusting. It's super right. gay. Yeah. To date girls. Yeah. I am, yeah. I'm absolutely a cuck, but <laughs> So I was dating this girl and her, her older sister's boyfriend comes to me and she, he goes, Cam, how did you make her father not hate you? And I was like, I made him laugh within 20 seconds of meeting mm-hmm. him. Because the yeah. moment you're able to make someone laugh, all of those walls fall down because you found their weakness. Yeah. And it's a good weakness. It's not a weakness in like, oh, well, let me find the chink in your armor, which he was Chinese, by the way. But it's... <laughs> Sorry, but that was an ESPN headline when the the basketball player <laughs> Lynn he like he he had a bunch of turnovers or something. He had, they they ran that headline chink in the armor and it was like holy shit. Oh no! <laughs> but no, that's but that's the thing. Like if you're able to make someone laugh, you're you force them to look at your humanity. Yeah, and at Breaks that attention. point, those walls break down. Yeah, and so like I was very excited to talk to you for two reasons one because every time we've interacted i've been pleased i've been happy it's been a good experience but beyond that i know that you are not above my level of humor which is very blue (laughs) yeah i I, yeah i like all humor go go blue go whatever whatever breaks attention whatever uh can make people like you cracked me up at that inappropriate comment i'm not saying i don't think it's inappropriate but but (laughs) society says all comments are fucking inappropriate now but like yeah. I, I, I've done, I did comedy at an improv for a long time. I, I, I taught improv stand up for a while and I did improv too. Oh, did you where? Yeah. Uh, well, you... well, I did it in college. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's more like, with... you're like, did you do improv? I'm like, yes. And I was bad at it. <laughs> nice. Yes. And everyone's bad. Everybody's <laughs> bad at improv, but yes, um, are you familiar no. with relapse theater? What you mean? The shirt I'm wearing? Oh shit! What's I worked that? at Relapse Theater for like eight years. I, that's amazing. Yeah, I, that's probably... where I taught. Yeah, that's where I taught improv and stand up. That's I, I have the guy who runs it's one of my best friends, Bob. That's who I, I. The story I was telling you, one of the stories I was telling you earlier was was about Bob. 
I know um, Bob. Yeah, yeah, Bob. I yeah. talked to Bob last <laughs> night for about an hour and a half. He's one of my he's one of my best buddies. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I knew Lisa Duke and a few other I, people. I who talked did. to Trey Duke and Bob last night for like an hour and a half. I know Trey Duke. I went to Trey Duke's wedding. He's one of those guys are uh, best buddy. Lisa was in my improv group and she she's younger than me. But Lisa, yeah. I remember the first time I met her, she fucking cracked me up. The first time I met her, she's such a hippie. It's so yep. fucking hilarious. And Trey is Lisa, one of the funniest people I've ever met. Lisa is one of my best friends on the planet. Like, really? Yeah, yeah. We're very close Small friends. World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll have to. So yeah, it's funny. good to it's good to meet home folks out yeah. in the out in the world. Yeah. So did you used to go see Lisa and Trey shows all the time? I was there every weekend. Like I, I was, was kind in of a, most of those shows with them. You look vaguely familiar to my me hair now was that we're shorter back then, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was a bar rat at Relapse for a good year. We have they no had doubt it. met before and probably forgotten it because we were probably. probably <laughs> I, I I was drunk most of the time yes. I was there. Yeah. So. But That's, it was at an old church, and so yeah. there were like some really creepy old rooms you could go in. Totally haunted as fuck. Haunted oh. as fuck. Yeah, absolutely. There was a random old boxing ring that we would always smoke uh-huh. at. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh man, that's so awesome. Yeah, I haven't I thought about relapse. Boxing ring in, and see, there was always some weird shit going on at relapse. There, there would be like yeah. a art, like a paint fight in in the the church room, or when he first got the place. So relapse is an old church on 14th Street. Mm-hmm. There was. There's this little cubby hole. It's a huge building, but there's these back hallways kind of um, on the main level, but nobody really goes in as much. We're the, near, near the women's bathrooms. Right <laughs> um, but there's like a little tiny door that, that yep. you walk right past it uh, that you don't even see it if, if you aren't paying attention. But you go in there and it's the, the wall is low and Bob went in there and he, he showed it to us. And there was a tiny little kid's seat just kind of in the middle of this. Really a Sean Aston seat, creepy or Sean Aston seat, <laughs> right in this fucking creepy room, and, and it looked—I mean, it seriously looked like it was like, okay, child, you're going to be punished. Go sit in this dark, tiny room that, like, they used to use it there before, and, and it, it is one of the most unique places on the planet. Wow, yeah, I um, I, I miss it a great deal. Those were some of the funnest times of my life, and we would always do that. Um, that Irish song from uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the night, they would close out and all the audience would come yeah, on the stage right. and dance. Yeah, yeah. And that was just the most fun place. And like the best memories of my youth are from relapse theater. That's crazy. We yeah. s- totally have met each other before. <laughs> I, I'm sure we have. The more I look at you, the more familiar you look, oh, yeah. to be honest. So let me just say, like I've done improv and I tried to take short form improvers into the long form field to do ass cats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very hard to do, but like if you watch Bojack Horse- Horseman or any other show, they talk mad shit about improv. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. just because most of them are bad. Uh-huh. Like you have to find the the people who know what they're doing. Right. And so that was one of the most frustrating things for me was yeah. I did a couple of shows with a troupe back when I was in college and they told me afterwards that those were the best shows they did. They had the the most ah. response, most yeah. anything. And I was like, wow, that's really great to hear. But the girl who ran the shows was one of those egomaniacs. And so when I tried out to be an official part of it, she was like, I just don't think you have what it takes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, beans, you, bitch 
Yeah, it's a lot, <laughs> lot of improv is uh, you're right. You got to find the right people to do it with. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, it can be a disaster. Oftentimes, it's a disaster. But but when it works, it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. I oh I and that's what's so funny is because I watch these shows and these things that talk so poorly about improv and I'm like I know some of these shows were the best that I've ever been in you know like I I love making stuff up on the spot like it's oh yeah. just the 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 thrill of not knowing what you're going to say and then eliciting a laugh mm -hmm. oh oh it's intoxicating <laughs> stand up and, and I mean they're different animals but both of them that instant reaction from a crowd is it's it's a drug right well and it's funny is my brother did stand up and he was like you know well, what was funny is he doesn't listen to the show so i can just say it <laughs> um but his the jokes that got the most laughs were the ones that i i rewrote for him yeah yeah because i was like you're almost there yeah yeah um but I never did improv because I grew up in a very Christian home. And so when I would do, or I didn't do improv, I, I didn't do stand up because I, I grew up in a very Christian home. So the places that would be open to me talking would not be open to me talking about how babies are retarded until they're four years old or yeah, whatever. It doesn't go over well with the Christian church audience. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but, and, but what's funny is um, I, I like that part of me. And so even though this show isn't technically a comedy podcast, Jessica and I are an absurdist comedy duo. <laughs> <laughs> you don't take yourself too seriously. And that's, that's one of the things that I think you, that people can learn from in, improv and stand up. And, and you guys were talking about this earlier uh, with the Twitter stuff is when people take themselves too seriously, that's when they're just like, okay, you're a total douche and an asshole. If you yeah. make fun of yourself, yeah. you can lean into the joke like uh, the guy was doing on Twitter. That that's that's cool, you know. If yeah. Twitter's making you if Twitter is making you angry or mad, you're using it wrong. Yeah, it shouldn't yeah. do anything yes. but make yeah. you laugh. Even people who are like really disagreeing with you or pushing your buttons, you should find a way to make that amuse you too. Because if you're Absolutely. getting angry, turn it off. That's Did, not worth it. You got kicked off, yeah, recently, didn't you? Or blocked or something? Who, who me? me? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Jessica. No, that was Cam's doing, I actually. Oh, you, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I told someone. Okay, so long story short, um, there was a video from Mayor de Blasio in New York. And the video was like, we're bringing culture back to New York. New York is not dead. Culture's coming back. And I, oh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Woods said, you destroyed New York. Yeah. And this guy with a um, profile picture of wearing a mask oh was the one who replied, which is the new um, pronouns in bio. Right. Um, he replied, uh, New York hasn't been destroyed. It's more beautiful than ever. You're just blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, if you pull down that gimp mask a little bit, you'll be able to see the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and he reported me. Mm -hmm. And I got a little warning saying that I was locked out for 12 hours because I had either insulted a sexual um, orientation or the mental yes. or like uh, handicapped. And I was like, I don't th th that's not clear enough. Both things could be true at the same time. It's true. But it can I got be a handicapped sexual hours. fetish. <laughs> uh, 
Bob from Relapse once hosted a show that was entirely it was a, a black comedian who had booked the thing, and it was Bob was like the only white guy there that evening. And Bob <laughs> Bob was wearing his MAGA shirt. Oh no! <laughs> and and the guy is so good at what he does. Yeah. Everybody there loved him. He made a joke. He broke the tension when he got up on stage. Broke the tension. Nobody fucking gave a shit. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. No. Yeah. yeah Bob's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he is. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I, I will say that one of the main thrusts of this show with the rebrand is white pills. Sorry, right? <laughs> it's finding the joy, the the hope in this dark world that we live in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that you barely have to talk about that when you lead with humor, when you lead with not taking yourself or everything too seriously, like it's. I can't tell you how many times people have tried. So I have mentioned this before, but in my Twitter profile, it says, please don't use pronouns around me. Thanks. You don't <laughs> like this the word is a baby? troll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is a troll. It's like, clearly everyone uses pronouns, Yeah, absolutely. but people get, people get onto Twitter and they, they, they want to argue with me. I don't argue with anyone. I told Jessica this months ago. If it doesn't spark joy, don't partake in it. Yeah, there's no arguing and on so, Twitter. No. Right. <laughs> it's You're not right. going to happen. Yeah. And so if it doesn't spark joy, and for me, trolling sparks joy. Yeah. And so I have that in my Twitter. And so I'll say something mildly inflammatory with a humorous twist. And people will go on my Twitter and they'll say, they, them, yeah. uh, he, him, she, she, her. And I'm like... You fell into the trap. Wait, they're really trying to bother you by writing trying, pronouns? They're trying to bother me by vi- writing you pronouns. Think it's and they're like, you off this Oh, I'm right. Guy. Oh, he said the. <laughs> right. The, the, the person literally said, Well, you know, I and we are pronouns, right? And I'm like, Yeah. And you just made me laugh. And I'm very, I'm very happy that you exist. <laughs> <laughs> like, See, hey, as, a, as a southern woman i can just say bless your heart and <laughs> it's so nice it doesn't spark the twitter algorithm at all and it's very denigrating and it basically means go fuck yourself so yeah. <laughs> well so here's 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 the secret to twitter if you don't want to talk to someone you want to dismiss them and you want them to feel like you are dismissing them but they don't really understand it just reply to their argument, LOL. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah, that works. I guess I, I do have a question for Binkley now that we're talking about this, though. When I start to look into the things that you and Monica talk about, if I go for too long or dig too deep, I get seriously depressed. That, yeah, like, I think that's an issue, yeah. Like how, you know, given that you've chosen to focus on this, what do you do to keep yourself kind of above the surface when it comes to that and not s- succumb to the ennui? The, the way that I look at it, the way that I've always looked at it is the more that we understand or that any individual can learn about how everything works or how the propaganda machine works, the more free we are because the more we can overcome these boundaries that we thought were real before, but are actually mm. illusions of so the whole, you know, I didn't, and the more we can point at them. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I didn't think about this earlier to bring this up earlier. And one of the reasons I, when I started looking in, into propaganda deeply is um, I, I taught, I taught some classes uh, helping people get, get jobs in unique ways. Cause the, the whole idea that you have to go to college, I know it's a little bit different now, but uh, years back it was, you know, if you don't go to college, you don't have this certificate, you don't have these check marks, all these things, and you're never going to re- get above this certain level. It was so arbitrary. And it was such a yeah. talk about systematic stuff. That's systematic bullshit is what it is. All people who are hiring people want to know is what you can do for them. Can you do what they need you to do? And can they trust you? And, and yeah. you can show all, all a resume is and all that other shit is, is, is how you prove yourself. And that's just the standard way of right. doing it. But if you can go above and beyond that and show them a way that you can help them that, that is beside that, then it doesn't fucking matter if you ever went to college, if you ever did any of that shit, they'll hire you. I, and so I, I would talk a lot about that. And what I learned is that when you look at the education system and you look at everything that it's imposed upon us when we're kids is we, these barriers are built up that we think we have to take these certain steps. And in reality, we do not. But getting past the psychological part of realizing that those 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 boundaries are not real is important and the more you dig deep and you learn that all this shit they tell you is fucking bullshit I you know. go, oh i can fucking walk right through this fucking boundary i can do this any fucking way i want as long as i know what the other person needs and right yeah so so that yeah the boundaries are a fucking illusion and you can use everything. This is an improv thing. Everything that you have can be used to help the other person, to help your partner look brilliant. And if you look at the person you're trying to get a job with or whatever you're trying to do, partner with, and you're like, I can do this to, to make them look brilliant. We can both get what we want. Then all those fucking steps you have to take, you're told that if you can't do shit because you haven't taken it, it's all bullshit. You can do fucking anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. I like that attitude. That's amazing. No, yeah, that's how I say well, yeah. things. I look at it like that. Is is I can, yeah. It's, it's it's helping me free myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and 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 one of the things, and really, kind of one of the onuses, onuses. I don't know how to. I don't either. You know, but pluralize like that. <laughs> uh, but one of the reasons why we are the mad ones now, is because like well, for one reason, and I've said this before, like we need to move past the Trump era. We don't need to be tied to a president or to a political figure or any of that. But I want to focus on hope. I want to focus on laughter, absurdism. I want to focus on how we can win. And so it's, it's very important to me to focus on the hope. And so it's like, like I've said, I think in every episode so far, we live in a very dark age, as Vin Armani would say, a dim age. But I, I've i not listened to anything that Vin Armani has said because I'm not, that's just not, I don't have time to listen to anything. But focusing on the dim age is worse than focusing on all of the ways we can win. Yeah. And so I think that right now we live in a time that is, Maybe it's not unprecedented, but it's unprecedented in our time where there's darkness, there's there's hardship, there's there are people like I tweeted earlier today that you know, right now the the lesson of this last year has been that it's not only the sociopathic political figures that you have to worry about, but it's your sociopathic neighbors who want to exert control over you. Mm -hmm. And someone tweeted back to me and they said, 
this really hurt to read. And my first thought was, and what I tweeted back to this guy was, with that, the white pill is that it is easier than ever before to look at a human being and be able to know that they're on your side, that they're on your team, that they are looking to the future rather than living in the darkness. Because guess what? The people who believe in the bullshit, the people who believe in uh, taking on the darkness as their mantle, the 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 doomertarians that I can't handle, yeah. that I ignore. I can't handle that either. Doomers! Um, <laughs> but no, you can tell very easily the people that are on your side because you can see their faces. Yeah, they're not wearing masks. You can't, you can't see the faces. You can't see the faces of the people who want to control you. And I think that that's yeah. disturbing but beautiful because it's never been easier before in our lifetime. And since, you know, since 1980 or whatever, since probably in all of history, but at least since I've been born where you can look, you can walk into Walmart or target or Publix or whatever. And you can go, that person is on the same team as me. Yeah. I yeah, know I, it. I totally, I remember when the whole mask thing first started and you alluded to this earlier, it's uh, if you didn't have a mask on and there's a chick across the way, didn't have a mask on. It's kind of like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. be well, somewhere and, and masked shared, together baby yeah. yeah i had shared with with um jessica i think initially months ago that more courage is passed through smiles than anything else in this time because you can't see the smile of someone who's scared right right now and smiling too and, just simply fucking smiling changes your physiology if yeah. you there's a thing you yeah. put a pencil in your mouth for like three minutes, I can't remember what the exact time limit is. It will, it, it, the studies have shown it will change the way that you feel because it forces you to have that smile position. Uh -huh. If you put your head up, your back straight and your head up, you will start to feel more confidence. People think this whole idea of they'll be, oh, that's just fucking bullshit. Psychology. Yeah, psychology fucking rules our life. Okay. It fucking rules our life. And anybody yeah. who thinks all oh, that's bullshit, they're just, they're fighting their own nature. And we, we can change the way that we feel. Sometimes we don't want to because we want to be down and out. But uh, I, I'm with you. I see I, I, as dark as everything is, I see nothing but light. And, and that's where to be. And that's and that's why we're doing this show right now. The way that we're doing it is because even though like not like I know you I'm sure you know of the red pill, the blue pill, the black pill, the white pill. Um, but right now we need to be microdosing white pills. So every good thing we see, we need to t pop that bad boy in and yeah. race to the future. Yeah. And so, like I and I talked about this previously, but if you look at chimpanzees, one of the primary <laughs> ways to tell if they're being aggressive is by whether or not they bare their teeth or smile. Yeah. We work in the exact opposite of that. When humans bare their teeth, they show that they're not a threat. They show that they're on the same side. They show that we are working together. Yeah. And so right now, we have a load of people who have regressed to the point of seeing a smile, of seeing someone's teeth, and seeing that as uh, dangerous. 
yeah, seeing that as yeah. a mm-hmm. threat. Yeah. And so what I've and what I've noticed, and I think I said this even in this episode before, but more courage is passed through a smile than anything else within the history of our lives. Yeah. And so the only thing that's going to stop these tyrants, the only thing that's going to stop these people who wish to control every aspect of our lives is to show our faces mm-hmm. and to smile. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've walked through Sam's Club, Target, whatever, and you know I get some some dirty looks and some furrowed brows from people <laughs> whose faces I can only see half yeah. of. But every single person that I've seen whose face was fully exposed to the world has shown me hope. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is important. And I think that that is in this dark time, in this Hunger Games world is so important is to be able to smile at people. It's to be able to share hope, to share humor, to share, fuck these people, fuck these sociopaths. Absolutely. You alluded to it earlier too. It breaks that tension. It's that human connection that it, 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 you can have, this is another person. We're smiling. We're not mad. It's the power of smiling and eye contact. It's unbelievable. And it, enables you to start to engage in these conversations they don't want you to have because once you start talking to people one-on-one or or in groups and they don't want you to be in groups and and i think this is i absolutely believe this is part of the reason they want to keep people separated yeah is you realize that what they portray in the media is so fucking ridiculous and not even close to reality they portray they take the caricature the caricatures of both (laughs) sides both extremes (laughs) and they present it as though it is the norm and it's right. not at all. Right. Most people are very similar. Most people are weird. People have differences and all, but most people think a lot of this shit is crazy. They're just afraid to say it. There's a thing called the spiral of silence where you have a belief and you don't ever say anything about that belief because you believe everybody else in the group has the opposing belief and that yes. you will be kind right. of persecuted. But in reality, a lot of other people in that group share that belief of yours and they also think that the majority – so it's a silent majority idea, the spiral of silences. So the, right. the majority stay silent because they believe they're in the minority, and that's why they don't want us talking because when we yeah. talk and we get together, we realize they're full of shit, and we realize we're more alike, and it's them. It's those people who are pulling the strings that are full of shit. It's so fucking disempowering what they're doing to people right now. I hate it. They're making people fight with each other over stupid shit. They're they're telling people that these fucking petty things are are important and then people aren't living their lives because they're obsessed with this fucking bullshit and calling out their friends and family. I hate it. Yeah, That is disgusting. That is so very Juche in North Korea and Soviet that it's insane. Yeah, that is something that I've pointed out for a while. Is it, I don't know if you know much about North Korea. Um, Love it. But it, it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it's this. It was the same in the it Soviet might be Union. Nice. Way, I have no idea. <laughs> 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 the way they controlled people was by making them rat on their neighbors. Mm-hmm. It was by making right. it so that you know yeah. you told on yourself, and then your your peers told on you as well. Yeah. And so like breaking that is so epically important right now. Yeah. Like it's and and that's what like like what what I said what you've said as well is when you smile, when you have the courage to uncover your face, like that that is what ends the tyranny. Is like this mask bullshit, this covid bullshit 
all of this ends when we decide it ends. And if you look at um, like uh, Abbott, the um, governor of Texas, just decided, oh, no more masks, no more shutdowns. And, I, and it's so funny because I'm on Twitter and he, he tweets that no more shutdowns. And there are people in the comments talking about how great he is. Oh, how good this is. And I'm like, bitch, he put those <laughs> into place. Right. I will not be pleased until every single local, state, and federal person who put these things into place into place are tarred and feather in the tarred and feathered in the public square. That's yeah, when I'll be pleased. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well but so thank God. Yeah. No, that's and, and what it happened in response to that. I noticed this trend happening right right before the show, because, you know, the Twitter trends are so natural. You know, they're not at all promoted for any specific yeah. reasons. Right. Twitter yeah. has Kroger and Target trending. I'm like, oh, why is Kroger and Target trending? Oh, I click on it. I find out why. It's because they have come out and made really brave, bold statements, similar to how brave and bold Stephen Colbert is with the jokes he does <laughs> late night, and they have decided jokes. that. Nationwide, regardless of what the governor of any state says, they will make sure that masks are mandated inside their stores. I haven't worn a fucking mask in Kroger in months, and nobody's ever said a fucking right. thing to me. Let me, and it's yeah. just Let me tell you, in Target, Angles sure shit don't make nobody wear masks. Yeah, yeah. Go out yeah. to the country, yeah. 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 Piggly Wiggly, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I walk into I walk into Target not wearing a mask, I don't get shit. No. Yeah. And so this is this is purely signaling. Mm-hmm. It really is. And side side short side sidebar. When I moved to Georgia, that was the first time I ever came across an Inglis. Is that how you say it? No. Ingles. They are American <laughs> owned, <laughs> sir. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, buddy. <laughs> because I'm not from Georgia, I read it as Inglis. Like I thought it was a Mexican store. Because my brain <laughs> automatically translated to spanish oh underneath every ingle sign is also in neon the words american owned they really yeah. really stress to you at ingles that they're ingles and not ingles yes <laughs> and what's funny is even though i lived there for two years i still accidentally say ingles that's awesome <laughs> yeah. i love that i'm gonna say ingles all the, that's that's the new name of it for me it is, it is did you know did you ingles. ever meet no way and charles speaking of mexico i i love both no way and buckets uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yes, you totally are. You know his nickname. You are. You yes, definitely went to yes. relapse. Yeah. I had to. I had to so, signal my relapse knowledge. <laughs> I don't know what that is. By the way, that it's is a, it's a, a Mexican place. guy named yeah. Buckets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's hilarious. But by the way, that is very much on our list for when we decide to buy land. Like a lot of it is going back to Georgia. That is in our in our list of places is because here's why. Because I read the gun laws in Florida. I've not been happy with them because when I bought the last three guns that I bought, I had to wait four days to pick up. Did you just look over and count them? I I, I did look over. They are legitimately sitting over there. Yeah, they are. Um, they are they are covered by a blanket. But if I pull that back, I don't know if you can see it. I don't think you can. But there are uh, one, two, three, four, five. (laughs) <laughs> there are several guns over there, but the last three that I bought, I had to wait four days for, and it pissed me off because I'm from Alabama. Alabama means you go to the gun store, you do the stupid background check, which is honestly a uh, low-key gun registry, um, but you get it the same day. 
I had to wait four days, and that pissed me off. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, when I buy land, where do I want to buy land? And I was like, let me look at gun laws. And so in Florida, it's not bad, but like you have to have over an acre of land and you can shoot your gun in your backyard. In Georgia, as long as you don't shoot over a public road, you can shoot your guns in your backyard. Yeah. And I'm true. like, I like that. I Welcome like that to my neighborhood. I legitimately just want to shoot guns in my backyard. But yeah. before you before you put Georgia on a pedestal, I recommend you looking into the Chicken Man of Roswell, yeah. and know that if you Here's run a foul of a local government here, they will end you up into including you killing yourself, yeah. which is what they did to that poor man. So yeah, lo- Georgia seems like it's cool sometimes. <laughs> We're Stacey Abrams territory, baby. Oh God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying Georgia is perfect. I'm not saying Alabama or Florida. Or Texas is definitely not perfect. Nope. But at the same time, it's like if I can get a just a little bit more modicum, a little, you know, just a little bit more freedom. Yeah. I'm going to be a little bit happier. And if I can sh- go out in my backyard and shoot guns with my boys, oh, I can't definitely, you can definitely do that in Georgia. It, definitely in some parts of Georgia, it's easier than others. Georgia is an interesting dynamic. Is it, It's a great place. What has happened is they – and they started doing this years ago. And back then, I, I didn't recognize the political aspect of it, but um, bringing Hollywood to Georgia, which right. people in the entertainment community, that, that was oh, great. Yeah, more opportunities. And it was. The, the opportunities skyrocketed. The auditions, the number of auditions you get – more and more um but then you realize now what has come to is that is ha- actually and monica pointed this out is turning states from Demo- from republican to democrat by kind yep. of flooding them with all these democrats and that was looking back at it seemed to be a clear plan in place to do that with georgia as well as texas it appears yep. that that's being done too as well yep yeah no it's like an open it's not even something that's hidden they're very yeah. open about move to Georgia, move to Texas. Mm-hmm. We're going to flip these places. And I'm yeah. like, great. So right. Stacey Abrams will step on you. They're 22 size shoe. If you don't okay. Do it. But <laughs> did you see when Joe Biden called her on to, I think it was CBS oh, News. Fuck, that was funny. And yeah. he's like, I have a really big announcement to make and we want to get Stacey there. And both, mm-hmm. I don't know who was giving the interview, but both he and Stacey thought that Joe Biden was about to tell her that she was going to be the vice president. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, I did see that. Over the course of about a minute, he just started telling everyone how articulate she was. <laughs> and her <laughs> expression just changed. And so I kept the screenshot as a side-by-side That's for hilarious. whenever I need a little laughter. Yeah, I, uh, I pull out Stacey Abrams, really, really happy one second, and then just complete fucking... That's so funny. She, she is the... Mm, Stacey Abrams is this character, and the stories that she tell tells about herself the activism stories the narratives the myth they're such bullshit it's unbelievable a kernel of truth is like yeah your family is african-american that's like the fucking kernel of truth of these fucking stories and she even have clips of her and some of these activist trainings where she talks about how well yeah you know you you take uh, you you make a narrative because the bigger point is what matters and not the actual truth of what's going on and like her and AOC are, are the are two great examples of the myths that they tell to mobilize people 
are complete and total bullshit. They're both privileged as fuck. But Stacey Abrams is such the perfect character because you can't say fucking anything about her. You right. can't say anything because she she looks like she could be a lesbian, but you don't know. <laughs> She's a bigger gal. She's like six one, six two. And and can't you, say shit about can't that. Can't say shit about that. You know, she she's black. She is total. Got total immunity from any insult. You can't you can't be like, oh, Stacey Abrams, uh, uh, her fucking shoes are dirty without being called a fucking racist homophobe. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You could swim between that be- that bitch's teeth with no. Problem. I never well, thought do. about That's, it. There's a YMCA in there. It's a perfectly <laughs> constructed person when you yep. think about it. It is. And I've heard that about AOC, well, too, when you talk about, like, her, she, she can be this girl from the block or whatever. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Okay, I knew I, I knew I picked that up from somewhere. AOC <laughs> had the best fucking resume of a 20-year-old I've ever seen in my life. She would have been interviewed by any Fortune Obama 500 too. company that she wanted to, and then she just got rid of all of it and was like, oh, I'm just a bartender because I was struggling. So, you know, you From build up your barrio, resume. apparently. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> she like, she said they say that she's from the she grew up in Yorktown. She lived there from the age of two. I looked up the house, housing records in Yorktown in New York, and, and her family was there from when she was two years old. It's important because they say she was in the Bronx from like they say she left the Bronx at five from three to five is when they say the brain is formed and the patterns, uh, yeah. your surroundings form those patterns. So I think that's why they say five years old, because I've heard Stacey Abrams say similar shit with her cradle to career education plan we'll take your baby straight from your womb and you'll see them again probably never we're going to turn them into communists but with aoc the girl started three businesses in college she used to speak on college all all the time for every civil rights thing she started a media company in college and then she's then she went to organize for bernie there's blogs of her talking about wanting to be an organizer uh, that you don't ever see them talking about then all of a sudden wipe all that shit clear and struggling bartender you know emerges as a as a candidate for the house it's just total bullshit Organizer, that's familiar. That's familiar. Isn't that the only qualification Barack Obama had to be president was that he was a community organizer? All these people have been through intensive organizing training, exclusive that uh, that we would never be allowed into, that are the most exclusive programs in the world. Auditions. Yes, auditions. Stacey Abrams went to a high school she had to audition to get into. I'm going to break that story right now. This training camp is on Epstein Island. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes. so, wait, that, that actually that Where actually leads me to be? a question yeah. that leads me to a question because you do a lot of the research over at the propaganda report mm-hmm. john mcafee when he was on my show about a year ago let me know that there was no way that uh jeffrey epstein ever had sex with a little girl because he was gay have you ever heard that anywhere else I have not. I've not heard that. Okay. So it may just be a McAfeeism. Yeah, I could see him possibly being gay. The way I see Epstein is he probably didn't care what it was he stuck his dick into. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. he didn't come off as yeah. I would way more believe that he just fucked everything yeah. rather than he was just into dudes. He doesn't well, I don't know. even like he could even strike me as asexual insofar as yeah. I think that he was there for the job because I absolutely yeah. believe that he was a CIA asset. Yeah, I do too. Or Mossad. The guy was the guy was some weird shit going on with him. It's yeah. Cause nobody ever explained why he had all these charges 
filed against him and then all of a sudden it was fine and he just went back to his life. You know what pisses me off about the Epstein story? Bill Barr. You know, Bill Barr, yeah, Bill Barr's dad gave Epstein his first his his first job at teaching. That's that's a strange thing nobody really talks about. Also, Epstein when he got off the first time and I'm talking about court, I'm not talking about on his island. He there was a plea negotiation deal that helped him get uh, he was facing potentially life in prison for the charges right and he got 18 months in a cush prison that he funded in, in a wing that he he helped build and he got to go home six days a week with his private security force so he, he got Oof. nothing really what makes we me should all go to prison like right this. seriously what a fantastic time <laughs> right what makes me mad about it is, is they, they waited. This woman, I can't, Julie Brown, I think is her name from the Miami Herald. She broke the story on the Epstein stuff and all the, all, how the, the prosecution let him off. And, and Acosta, who was in Trump's administration, he Dear went diary. easy on him. And, and so what they did is they made it a Trump scandal. It was not a Trump right. scandal. This was a Clinton Epstein scandal. And they mm-hmm. waited. They talk about this in the propaganda literature. Harold, Harold Laswell specifically, a good book to read there if you want to check it out, is a Propaganda in World War. Fantastic book, easy read, a short. Um, it is, is you, also has the word propaganda in it. Yes, it does. You're right. You're absolutely right. Is <laughs> They control the release of information. If they can't stop something from coming out, they suppress it as much as possible until they can release it themselves to their benefit. So they waited till Trump right. was in office, till Acosta was in there. Now, Acosta, I, I'm not a fan of Acosta. I, I, I talk and, and Trump, I talk about Trump all the time. I tell people Trump and AOC are the same. Really yeah. pisses people off, too, when you say that. So I love yeah, AOC. Does. She's super smart. She's exactly like Trump. They go, what? They get really mad about that. But um, Epstein, he gets this plea negotiation letter to, to uh, get his deal. And in the plea negotiation letter, this is like your referral for here's why I shouldn't go to prison for a long time, why I should be granted a deal. They gave all the people and the organizations that are vouching for him. Mm-hmm. On that plea negotiation letter is the Trilateral Commission, the Rockefeller Foundation, Bill Clinton personally. And in in the letter, it also says Jeffrey Epstein helped create the Clinton Global Initiative. And I used to tell people that and they go, oh, fuck you. It's not on the website. Oh, you think they're going to leave Jeffrey Epstein was a founder on the website? You (laughs) fucking idiot. Well, let let me just let me just sidebar. Uh, We talked about um, my uh, red pills for a moment there at the beginning, but one of the most amazing things to me when I was researching those was that Vince Foster was a part of that situation. The fact that he took a um, a box full of files from uh, to Hillary Clinton, not mm-hmm. to Bill Clinton, but to Hillary Clinton, and those files were just magically lost when he died. Blew <laughs> my happens, fucking mind. Just, it's like. Uh... Uh, Avengers. It, it, when you die, it fizzles away all your documents. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just, but it, it, oh, it's just crazy. Yeah, it, it is crazy, and they tried to turn it. They tried to say, well, Trump's uh, Acosta in the Trump administration, who was best friends with Epstein, he he gave Epstein the sweetheart. He did not give Epstein the fucking sweetheart deal. His family that was harassed. There was people Barred that quit. It. Yeah, he, he worked in Florida, and, and I'm not a fan of his. I think he's probably just as corrupt as all of them. But in that situation, if you read the court documents from back in 2005 or six, whenever it was, he was pressured. People were threatened. And, and this, this Clinton 
you know, fucking mafia was just bullying the shit out of people to give Epstein yeah. this deal. And then, you know, fast forward till now and they're calling it a Trump scandal. The lawyer who represented the victims for over 10 years, he told me in an email, he told me, and then he later told somebody else on video because I, I asked him and he was responsive. Nobody, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, nobody's interviewing this guy. He's just only the lawyer of the victims for over 10 years. Ah, let's not interview him. He told me, I asked Trump. Trump was the only person who did not avoid deposition. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, he tried to depose her. She told him. Where that is her, she? Yeah, do what? Where she is got she? out. Yeah, she, she got out. Nobody's seen a picture. All the sketches of her look like sketches from an old picture of her. Show us a fucking picture of her, then I'll believe that you actually have her. Mm-hmm. But they, they, he told Trump, or the Trump told the lawyer. The lawyer told me that Trump didn't avoid his deposition. He actually called him and helped with the investigation. He said he now say what you will about Trump. That's what the lawyer, the victims say, and. Ghislaine Maxwell told the lawyer, the victims, that she was going home to take care of her mother, who was sick, and she was never coming back to the United States. Two months later, Ghislaine Maxwell is Magic. photographed at Chelsea Clinton's wedding in New York. They're, they're full of shit. They're all full of shit. Damn. Well, and, and, and let, me, let me just lean into this Bill Barr bullshit because, <laughs> because when I did those red pills, when I did Ruby Ridge, when I did Waco – what I found was that the same people that are that were in power then are the ones who were in power at the point of me writing and reading those. And Bill Barr protected Lon Hiryuchi, the one who shot um, Vicky Weaver, who yeah. was then happened to be in the blue nest at Waco. Like he protected the people who the ATF and the FBI decided needed to be killed. Yeah, And so then you move that on and you see that he's in Trump's cabinet. And it's like you also see John Bolton. You see these people that clearly if if Trump yeah. believed any of the anti-war bullshit that he said, which yeah. I think was instinctual. And I don't I, I will not knock him for his instincts. And I think that Rand Paul was the person who was in his his ear during the Iran affair. You mean the racist all Russian different puppet stuff. Rand Paul? Yeah. Right. I think he was the one who saved 150 Iranians from dying because of a shot down drone. Yeah. But I think that Trump has good instincts, but he listened to Jared Kushner, who yeah. blocked, by the way, the commutation of um, uh, Ross Ulbricht's sentence. Oh, was directly. that Kushner that did that? It was Kushner who did that. I didn't know and, that. you know, M- Mitch McConnell, um, Lindsey Graham, all those fucking asshole neocons blocked Assange and um, Snowden. But Kushner directly, t- I don't know if he, t- I don't know how he did it, but he told Trump not to do it, to not let Ross Ulbricht, the man who of those three people deserves to be out the most. The 36 yeah. year old man who will never have a life because he made a website that people abused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that was um, taken down by dirty cops who made him out to be a murderer. Yeah. Jared Kushner is the one who blocked that. And I need people. I, I need to say it. I need people to remember that Jared Kushner was the one who did that. Yeah. Because that that was a, a dereliction, a miscarriage of justice. Yeah. 
I always wonder what the at the high level of government the there's if you are in a, in a I don't know who would ever want to be president like legitimately be president. It, it just seems a like a horrible job to have. Yeah, you I, have to be an egoist or a maniac right. of some yeah. kind. Yeah, I mean the it, the burden of it, there's no way you're going to be a president and not end up being a murderer. Right. That's something that's going to weigh on your conscience. They don't and, even let you do it if you don't sign the paper that says I will kill some people. I think. Do they have? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they, had like <laughs> they probably do. No, it's it's always been my theory. They bring, on your first day that they inaugurate you, they swear you in, and then they roll you up in there and they put you in a chair and they say, <laughs> "We will murder your entire fucking family if you yeah. don't go along." Yeah, yeah. And you know, they it, that's of course if you are not the candidate that Citibank already chose. Yeah, see, if right. Citibank already chose you and put you in there, you don't get the talk. You already know the deal. Trump yeah. got brought in and sat down and told. We will murder your entire fucking family. I, I, I have no doubt things like that go on. Oh, I Why believe else? it, yeah. And, and at the very least, if it's not something as nefarious as that, it's that this man was ready to be influenced by whoever talked to him last. Right. And, yeah, that is a know, point that I've made many times. It was whoever talked to him last is right. the, the decisions that Trump made. Um, Ryan asked, what's your source for Jared Kushner doing that? I don't doubt it, but I'd like to know. That is something that I'm currently chasing down um, because I have a source that I consider to be very, um, what's the word? Credible. Um, reliable? Credible. Yeah, reliable. <laughs> but I haven't Un- seen the documents. Yeah, sorry. Hey. Right. I, the person who has told me this, I trust yeah. on this point, but I okay. haven't chased it down yet. I will. Okay. Um, but... Like I said, the person who said it is trustable, trustworthy trustable. enough for me to trustable. say it. I like trustable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is something to be said. There are a lot of leaders throughout history who, well, the ones who are influenced like that, it's like right before the fall of their civilizations. It does so. feel kind of like that sometimes. Doesn't it though? Yeah. Well, and, and let's not forget that Jared Kushner's father yeah just happened to be pardoned yeah right yeah by trump yes oh wow and and monarchy's a huge conflict of interest right it's totally he's in he's in prison and chris christie put him in prison and and it's these people are also intertwined the whole wwe aspect of it i while it's it seems obvious I, i i don't think that that i don't know how the public doesn't realize the WWE aspect of it, that they're all slapping high fives in the locker room. And it couldn't be illustrated more than with uh, Kellyanne Conway and her husband. Literally her husband is on the biggest, well, most funded opposing force, the Lincoln project smearing Trump. Rapist project. Yeah. 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 The rapist project. And uh, Kellyanne Conway is, is Trump's spokesperson. So the two points, the two point men, women on, on both sides that are fighting each other are married. They're fucking married. And their kids on Twitter no. acting like a stripper say, saying that they're right. it's just so fucking weird. Damn. The, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm on TikTok because I'm hip. Yeah, TikTok's um, but, so strange. It's but so Claudia, Claudia Conway, Conway yeah. is on there. And it's it was like I saw those before I saw like the response of Kellyanne or what's his name George. Yeah, George. Um, weird, weird How old is their kid? She's like fifteen or something. I think like, at yeah. that Aww. point. 
Oh no. And so she was making she was making all of these statements and it was very clearly anti Trump. Yeah, definitely. Well yeah, and you so gotta it, be like like you're, yeah, right. so it's, 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 you're a young girl in the world. You gotta, you gotta be. be. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to ruin your life. Well, and it's like it's it's one of those things where I, when a woman says that they've been violated or hurt or whatever, my first instinct is to believe them, because who wants to live in a world where you say, "Hey, I was hurt by this person," and the first response is, "I don't believe you." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not that's not a world I want to personally live in. Because if I had something like that to say, I wouldn't want someone to immediately question me. Right. But that with everything else that was going on in the world and the news cycle and all of this, I was just like, this seems convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's all fucking convenient. They just, the control of the media is the brain. People think about brainwashing. They think MK ultra MK ultra. Yeah. That, that is a form of brainwashing. The brainwashing that we're experiencing is the, being consumed we think we're consuming the media the media is consuming us because it's all around us and they're repeating messages it is so i don't don't understand how people don't realize when you hear the exact same words and phrases repeated over and over again what was the word they all used bellicose Bellicose. there was like a week where people who i know didn't know the word bellicose before that's an 11 dollar word they didn't know that word yeah yeah, yeah. I, I had a friend of mine. Did you ever meet a guy named um, Hoyt? Hmm. You might have. He, he was at Relapse. Yeah. Times. He's a really nice guy. Um, he he was uh, he was shy. He's a nice, really sweet. He was friends with Lisa. Very good, good friends with with Lisa. And he made a post on Facebook that was one hundred percent correct. This is in last summer during the George Floyd protest. Everything yeah. that he said in his post was correct. And when I read that post, I went, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, yeah. Know no. your audience. Because yeah. all he did, all he fucking did was say this report came out from the, the police or, or the, the investigator that George Floyd was using fentanyl. And he had fentanyl in his system and that that might have contributed or been the cause of his death. Now, all he was he was just reporting what had been reported and the fucking hate that he got on Facebook was it was terrible. I felt so bad for him. People that he had known that we'd known for a long time because people were so triggered by it. And now an in-person conversation, this whole thing would have gone differently. Social media, people's personalities become so radical. People have the regular personality, their social media personality, which is radical. But he got, people were so fucking mean to him. He ended up blocking a bunch of people. Uh, I I haven't talked to him in, in in a little bit, but I know that he deleted a bunch of people because he he just wasn't expecting it. I, I don't think, and it, it, it's sad that like you that's can't even say sad. something that's true without without people being their reaction is programmed yeah. to just come at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that was a difficult place for me to be when it came to George Floyd because there were people like your friend who were out there to say, "Hey, this is what's been reported." Yeah. And then there were people out there like Candace Owens who immediately tried to make him out to be the villain of the story. Right. Who immediately I, tried yeah. to make him out to be like the worst person who ever existed. And so there was this, like, I don't use Facebook anymore. Like yeah. I barely I go know. on there. 
Um, but th- there was this point where I was, I was having this conversation. I wasn't mean to the people who were saying this, but I was like, what is your, what is the impetus be- behind saying this? Is it to take some heat off of white people? Is it some to take some heat off of yourself and your views? What, what is it? Because there were a lot of people out there who wanted to take the heat off the police. And I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 what he did, like, or the tactic, the technique that they're taught to use, it, it's not a good technique. It's terrible. And that whole fucking right. scene is terrible. And it, it, it's such a – they take these, these issues that are – they're complicated, that on the surface they look like shit. Yeah. And when you dig deep in that, the technique that was used – and I'm not, I'm not defending it. I, I, I would not be a police officer ever. I think when you do yeah. a job where every day every person you interact with doesn't want to interact with you, at best, they, at best they're anxious and don't want to be around you. At worst, right. they hate you. It's not. It's a right. challenging job to be in. So, and I'm, there's good cops. I know a lot of good cops have been great to me. And there's, like I said earlier, there's cops that, are, that can be dickheads. We we know that. But like the technique, they used the technique. Now, was it appropriate in that in that instance? Probably not. The George Floyd, yeah. did he ask to be put on the ground? He did. Was Did he have drugs in his mouth? He did. Everybody had – it's just not as clear-cut as they try to make it in the media. They try right. to take yeah. these instances that, that are complicated, and then they try to polarize them and divide the country with them. And nobody ever Absolutely. actually digs in the weeds in them to find out, oh, there's a lot more here that could actually be fixed. Instead, we're focusing on the thing that's just going to amplify fucking racial division in the country. Well, and, and that's the thing. like, my, Because when I came across these people – it was it was like either they were making George Floyd out to be a savior or a villain. Yeah. yeah. And the point of it was regard like I, I watched the whole video of his arrest. Yeah. And like the worst thing that he did to those cops was say, hey, I'm claustrophobic. I can't I, I don't want to be in this car. Right. And so like the main point of I think that video of. Uh, the reaction, like the important part of the reaction was that the cops behaved badly, regardless of what happened, regardless of fentanyl. It was, hey, this could this was not good. I mean, it wasn't quite as bad, I think, necessarily as like Philando Castile or Daniel Shaver or uh, Kelly. Um, what's his name? Kelly Thomas. But at the same time, like the the point is people were trying to find a hero in the story when in reality it was just a devastating story. Yeah, and that's that's a great point because that is what they present these stories to be, hero and villain stories instead of a complicated, shitty fucking all-around story. Mm-hmm. And right. they don't highlight the stories that everybody will agree on. A, if somebody, if a cop shoots somebody in the back and it's obvious that it's just unjustified, or or if, shoot if, them in bed like r- Duncan Lemp, right? They they're not going to focus on those stories because people will look at those stories and go, okay, it's pretty clear who's in the wrong here, and people will agree. They will not present stories in the news that cause people to agree, and yeah, that should tell people that. It's bullshit the way that they're presenting it. And, and that surface level framing of the story has so much power because that's the first thing we remember, especially when it is repeated, that, that we should always question, always question what they're telling us, especially 
when the people we trust the most in the media anyway, or that we identify the most with, I tell people this all the time. If you love Trump or if you love Biden or whoever, then you should question them far more than the opposing person. Because if you're a Biden supporter, you already don't believe anything Trump says. You already dismiss everything Trump says. So why focus on that? Who's better at delivering the propaganda into your mind? The person you don't believe at all or the person you trust unquestionably unquestionably against? Or Don Lamont. Yes, Don Lamont. You question the person that you identify with because that – is how propaganda works. They put the shit in your head through the people that you trust unquestionably. Yep. And so I, you know, I hate to say this, but my mother hasn't spoken to me in almost a year because I disagreed with her um, for several days about every aspect of these lockdowns and these maskings. And this was back in April. And um, what I was going to say, shoot, I, I was trying to remember what I was going to say about that. Unfortunately, my mother, I suggested to her that she might be following propaganda. Yeah. And that was such an egregious point to her that that's what, what the final straw was. It wasn't, yeah. you know, we argued for days and days and days. But when I suggested to someone that like, hey, you might be being fooled. And I even pointed out that like if this can happen to anybody, especially really smart people. Because smart people are actually the easiest to fool because they're the mm-hmm. most confident in their they own are. thought process. Exactly. They, they say that in these old propaganda books, target the intellectuals first because yes. they never think they can be fooled. Right, right. So, you know, and you have this implicit trust for people who have like doctor or PhD or whatever behind like this. Uh, uh, yes, of course, they've been to school. But that doesn't mean that, you know, they're not incentivized and they're not human and that they don't have their own reasons for telling you a multitude of things, some of which might not be true. Yeah. Well, and and this is this is a point that I've heard made before that, you know, smart people just have so many other things to think about. That's why they buy into the the propaganda so much. I think that's an excuse. I think that when it comes to smart people, especially people with advanced degrees, Mm -hmm. they have had between eight to 12 years of more propaganda more propaganda pumped into their brains than the rest of humanity. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, they may be smart on mathematics or economics or well, economics. Um, (laughs) They may be smart in these areas, but the point is they've spent 12 plus years being told exactly how to think Mm -hmm. rather than just what to think. Right. Right. And so I, like, I don't like being the guy who's like, I don't trust doctors. But at the same time, doctors of any stripe, even the Jill Biden stripe, have spent more time being propagandized than the rest of humanity. Yeah, the education system is set up like that. That, That's where the heart of this is, of this this battle is is – how children's brains are formed and we have the the elite boarding schools that the politicians kids go to the internationalist kids go to where they are taught acting class required to take acting classes are required to learn they know like three languages by the time they're fifth grade they're required to take rhetoric and, and public speaking and and read socrates and aristotle all the things they pulled out of the public education system they're taught to organize the masses meanwhile you go to the public education system and you're taught to not ask questions you're taught to follow your orders above yep. all else to fall yep. in line so you teach the people to be be ordered then you teach the people to order and, and it, it's such a 
vast difference and is so powerful to get control of that. That's why we see these programs that Stacey Abrams and others present, the cradle to career programs. Mm -hmm. Go live your dream. You can't have a kid and still live your dream. Let us take care of them right out of the womb. We'll start them in a program. You'll never have to see them. I mean, this is this not to be stereotypical. This is the communist programming of your children, taking them away, separating them from the family and turning them into little communist soldiers. Well, and and let me let me just say. Like one of the things that like I'm very, very anti-communist, but I think that one thing that people miss is that the Great Reset, all the stuff we're going through right now is fascist. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's economically fascist. If you look back to the 1920s, 1913s, whatever, like the – the elite, especially the political elite, have had an absolute throbbing hard on for fascism, and they like little. honestly, yeah, little little, little baby, hard on. <laughs> but but no, like if you look at the the history, you notice that even though like communism, I think is what is led into the easy enemy when it yeah. comes to this stuff. I think so that way fascism, I think that's often the goal to dictatorship to fascism. Right. But I think that in our zeitgeist, since the 1980s, since, you know, the Cold War, we still have some lingering frustrations and anger about communism. And so it makes it very easy to say Joe Biden's communist or Kamala Harris is communist or whatever. Templar, Kamala Harris. Sorry, well, that's right. a subject for another time. <laughs> but at the end of the day, <laughs> I bankers. think that that's it's 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 like um, uh, AOC, the created people, because I think AOC serves the purpose of taking the heat off of the Nancy Pelosi's and the people who are actually making changes. Yeah, I think that the people who are saying that Joe Biden is a communist are taking away from the fact that he's very much enacting fascism. Absolutely. I I think communism is a vehicle to fascism because you can use these Marxist appeals to mobilize. They, they, they found Lenin back when he was back when Vladimir Lenin, when he was dictator of Russia after the Russian revolution, he shifted the approach to, to communism, to Marxism. They, they made, it was at the, I think the, third international communist conference or something like that like in 1935 i think they made the they made the new party line was going to be deception because they realized that using straightforward hardcore communist appeals uh wearing your red colors was scaring people off and Mm -hmm. that the way to to co-opt everybody is to lie to them is to pretend to be who they Mm -hmm. are and their targets were the social progressives were the the social democrats uh, the progressives and they talk about and you could you read the materials that lenin wrote you read the international communist communists they hated the democrats far more than they hated the republicans because the Mm -hmm. democrats had the same target audience as them they weren't going to win over conservatives but they didn't yeah. want to split their base through these. So instead of trying to fight with all these, they would co-opt their organizations and then they would take over them. Then they would purge them. They would purge the Democrats after they take over. And ultimately, they would shift it to the power of those at top. And it was never about distributing wealth and making everybody in this happy communist commune. It was about concentrating power to the people who were already in charge and taking over the private organizations. It was fascism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think that that, 
if you look at the narrative, if you look at FDR, loved him some fascism. Yeah. I think that if you look at history, that I think that communism had a sway up until a certain point because it, it played on the emotions. It played on these different, um, very visceral aspects of humans. But I think that the elite found out that they make more money and are more comfortable under fascism. Totally. And so yeah. I do I do think it's a bait and switch. Yeah. Are, it, are y'all it, familiar? It, oh, I'm sorry. No, are y'all familiar with are y'all familiar with a book called None Dare Call It Treason by John Stormer? I am, yeah. You are? I'm not. So I have it's a book basically that out it was written in the eighties, I think, and it lays out all the ways that communists have been infiltrating our country since basically the 60s it really does and, it makes me yeah. wonder sometimes if, if if the the soviet union never really fell well okay so let me get to the end of this <laughs> sorry <laughs> so no no it's fine i just um i i have a thing that's going to get to what you just said uh so the way i encountered this book was crazy because i was 22 years old and i was working as a telemarketer and i happened to get connected to some old guy and he let me do my whole spiel, which was very nice of him. And then he told me, he said, look, you're a young person and I want to tell you about this book. And it was I, I bought this book just out of random obscene curiosity. And it was this whole anti-communist rhetoric that I was not ready to hear at 22. But I still have the book. So when I started getting red pilled and I started kind of getting turned on to what was going on, I remembered this book and I went back and I looked through it. And the guy, he's got receipts in this book about how the communists have been infiltrating the government, mm -hmm. the universities and every level all the way up and down. And they said that we don't want you. We want your children yeah. and we will convince Joe. your children of our ideas. And the U.S. will fall into our hands like an overripened fruit. We won't have to take it over with the military. They use democracy against us. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Joe McCarthy was right uh, he, he in a lot of ways he was he was a dick but he was right yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, the, yeah. The, the idea that you can infiltrate democracy that is they're going to go with those weak points and when you watch these council on foreign relations these brooking is to all these elites and their think tanks they always talk about even the cyber warfare people when they have their think tanks for the army and the military they always talk about well the reason we can't do this because democracy's in our way oh sorry fucking democracy in the way again Mm-hmm. It's so in your way. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. We see how yeah. in the way it really is for them, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, yeah, not, none dare call it treason. John Good Stormer, one. that book is full of receipts. Please avail yourselves. But I do think that we need to have a conversation about fascism. Yeah. That's because what the great I feel like very. Absolutely. And I feel like that is something that's not talked about. And so it's like when those who were on the Trump right talk about Joe Biden being a tool of the, the Chinese Communist Party or he's a communist, he's going to bring in socialism, that there are some things that they will use from that, that script to get them where they are. But if you look at the Great Reset, if you look at Klaus Schwab, this is – like this is this is fascism, it, and it I really is. I think that that conversation needs to happen more. And there's a lot of people that try and say Scott Adams. I don't know if you ever listened to Scott Adams. Scott Adams is such a 
a quagmire to me because he'll say something that is really like, oh, that's an interesting point, very insightful. And then he'll say yeah. something like, oh, I, I, I think that if they say it on CNN and they say it on Fox, you should probably believe it's true. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what did you just Bro. say? It, it, so he, he has this very insightful eye with a naiveness towards the history of the way the media is used. I, I noticed that when I first started paying attention, I was like, this guy clearly does not know the history of how the media has been used. But he's also clearly a pretty smart guy. And I, I think that I think that kind of runs rampant where people don't people like he he and others kind of say the gr the great reset is that's not a, it's nothing it's that's nothing it's bullshit and i'm like it's not bullshit at all not not only can you hear them talking about it you could hear them saying very specific things that a week later a couple days later you hear joe biden saying exactly the same words while yeah. signing an executive order or you see somebody like target or kroger like we talked about earlier doing a virtue signal which is a great reset thing this whole idea that we're gonna we're, we're gonna impose a mask mandate regardless of what the governors say because we're the powerful corporation and we are going to meet our it's called environmental social and governance standards this is a model that they want to force corporations around the world to report the initiatives that they are doing to support climate change getting rid of climate change and to support social justice and equity around the world and these measures where they're like like gillette saying men are terrible that's an esg great right. reset thing all of these companies these these things that they do it's called stakeholder capitalism instead of while, while it looks like it's not going to benefit their Crime. bottom line it benefits the stakeholders that might not even shop there the low-income communities around them it's it's a way to control them and what what they get out of it is they get they get to surpass or get around the regulations that will be imposed on all the businesses that do not comply that do not bend the knee the middleman the the mom and pop shops are going to be mm -hmm. snuffed out by these corporations if people continue to allow this to happen absolutely if not have already been snuffed out yeah to a large degree and i think and i i just feel like like we can talk about communism in the way that they use it but if we're if we're missing the conversation on fascism, like true fascism, yeah. we're we're missing something, man. It's it's connected. It's once they got to Lenin and, and Stalin, fascism was the goal. Even though they they yeah. they mobilized people to communism. There's a great book. This is a little tough to read, but it's called the um, the organizational weapon, and it's about how communists, the, the techniques they use, and there's a lot about Vladimir Lenin and Stalin in there, how they use organizations and how they use organizing mm -hmm. to create a militant group of, a militant social army to enact, yeah. to use, yeah. to hammer their opponents with. And we're seeing that right now with all these activist organizations going around canceling people and anything you say, you, you have a million people just like tweeting at you. Uh, Stacey Abrams is very much doing this type of technique uh, all, as well as others as well. And it's not just Democrats, Republicans use it as well. Well, I, can I just say one thing is Gina Carano was kicked out of Disney. Mm-hmm. And they did cancel her. And there was a um, yeah, there were a lot of people who were like, well, this is you want to cancel Disney. You want to cancel Disney Plus. This is cancel culture. Why are you partaking in cancel cu culture? And I'm like, no, bitch, <laughs> that's that's a boycott. Yeah. Cancel. Right. You yeah. can only cancel an individual. And it, like that right. is something that I think. I mean, I don't know how important it is, but it's like every time I see them talking about canceling, you know, um, my pillow. No, they're canceling Mike. 
Yeah. Like yeah. you can only cancel an individual. You boycott you boycott a company. Yeah, I'll go buy David Hogg's pillow for his new company. <laughs> what is it? Our pillow or happy pillow? I think or- it's our pillow. Our pillow, or, um, or um, you know, I don't pillow biter, it might be pillow biter. I don't know. I don't know I how it doesn't have a furry on it. That has anything to do with David Hogg? That's probably that's perfect. No, it's disgusting. Yeah. Yes, yeah. David Hogg is. Just... <laughs> uh, so let me let me ask you, uh, Jar Jar Binkley, because um, we're we're hitting about two hours, which is about when people start to drop off. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> even though I am having a lot, of, like honestly, let me tell you. This has been the most fun I've had in a while. I'm having a blast. I, you, you are absolutely invited anytime you ever want to come on. Thank you. I hope I'm not um, jumping in too much. I know I can get excited sometimes. Yeah. Oh no. We, well, that's the thing. Like people, it's so funny. Everyone seems to have this, um, this self doubt, this idea that they're jumping in too much. But I invited you on because I want to hear from you. So you can't jump in too much. Only I can do that, so <laughs> you're good. Um, but but I do want to ask you: um, Are you as good of a basketball player as Michael Moore? <laughs> is that from Monica? It is. Uh, probably. I I haven't personally seen Michael Moore play, but I have heard his story about his basketball time. And uh, if you haven't heard the story, Michael Moore was talking about how moral he was versus how immoral the Republicans were on MSNBC. And he was telling the story and he made a, a, a comparison. He said, uh, it was like, uh, you know, when I was a junior high, I, I was on the basketball team. And first off, you're like, you're on the basketball team. <laughs> yeah. I was on the basketball team and I was, I was, I was in the corner, the far corner, right near the out of bounds line, which is the toughest shot in basketball. In, unless you're shooting from like half court, that, that corner over there, the far corner, that's a hard shot. Okay. And he goes, and, and I dribbled the ball and on, on one foot, uh, I shot a, a hook shot and it just a swish, swish, nothing but net. And you're like, you shot a hook shot from the corner in junior high that went swish, nothing but net. And he goes, and, but what happened was I see I had stepped out of bounds. And so I, I <laughs> so it was a little further. Uh, so I told the referee, I went to the referee and I told him I stepped out of bounds because I'm not I stepped out of bounds. It was so it, it didn't count. My coach was like, Why did you tell the referee? And, and so you're telling me that as a middle schooler, not only could you hit a hook shot from the corner, which is one of the toughest, just a, a normal shot from the corner is a difficult shot, but a hook shot while hanging out of bounds, while, while you're paying attention to your feet, you're not even watching the goal. You're just <laughs> like uh, Michael J. Fox in uh, The Wolf, where he becomes a wolf. Whatever the fucking movie that is. Teen, Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. And Teen Wolf, yeah. he just shoots it over his head while looking Great out. film. Yeah, nothing but net. And, and then he just said he felt so guilty in that moment during that game that instead of going back and playing defense after making the world's most miraculous shot, he went over and told the referee he was out of bounds. And first of all, the referee still would not stop the game because you don't get to be the referee. So even if that did happen, even if you went over and said, Hey, I fouled this guy, the referee's not going to blow the fucking whistle and stop the game. But he said, then my coach got so mad at me and see, the Democrats are like this and Republicans are like my coach. It was like one of those things. It it was the biggest bullshit story. And and the, the anchors just like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. I completely (laughs) agree with you. Yeah. Totally. No questions at all about that ridiculous fuck. I, I kicked a ball from out of bounds with my dick and it was nothing but net. <laughs> but I felt bad because you're not supposed to shoot with your dick. So I told the referee, I had my dick out in the game. 
That is Abraham Lincoln level honesty that you walked seven miles George back Washington to right, return yeah. a penny. Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? No, you didn't go up to the coach and tell him your integrity was so great that the right. greatest shot of basketball history didn't count because me, you were so honest. Absolutely. And, and so good. I mean, he'd be right. in the NBA right. right now if that's what he could do. Right. But that, like, to me, it's like that story was so absurd that anybody in their right mind, and when you're watching these networks, people aren't in their right minds. They're in their political, they're in their emotional mind. They're not in their thinking no. brains. Anybody would say that's the most bullshit that I've ever heard in my life. This person is lying. But Michael Moore is able to be so open about that. And Michael Moore makes no qualms about being a propagandist. Like he really yeah. doesn't. Right. But people still believe him when he says what they want to hear. They, they just forget everything else and they believe him. And it, we've kind of created a culture right now where people not only will accept propaganda as long as it's propaganda that makes them feel good, they will become citizen propagandists in and of themselves, yes. sometimes knowing sure. it. They've renamed uh, ch changing your accent, depending on who you're talking to, <laughs> right. to code switching. Code switching. So yeah. now if you pretend you're Southern because yeah. you're speaking to a Southern audience and it's not racist at all. When you're speaking to a black audience to do the same thing. Absolutely. To say reason. something like to say something like, I always have hot sauce in my in my purse. Or so suddenly, shit. Suddenly Ocasio Cortez from the Bronx is dropping y'all into yeah. her speech. Oh, and I'm her. like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're so, not. <laughs> so I have a couple more questions for you. All right. right. Jar Jar. Um <laughs> One is what makes so a better mixer with whiskey, Gatorade <laughs> or Powerade? It's another question from Monica, I presume. Yes. Um, Gatorade, I guess, because I usually have Gatorade. I like Gatorade better than Powerade. I remember in college, it was like, See, I don't know if this is true or not, but in college, it was if you drink Gatorade with liquor, it goes straight to your blood, bro. You get drunk. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but that used to be what we told each other in college. Mm-hmm. Also, see, that smoking I'm, uh, menthol cigarettes makes you higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. See, me, That's I'm a true. Powerade guy because it's not quite as sweet as um, Gatorade. But yeah. get the fuck away from my whiskey. Oh, my God. It's what? disgusting with whiskey. <laughs> we, we do. We do these. We do these. Uh, for our patrons, we do drinking parties where me and Monica get a little tipsy, more than a little tipsy sometimes. And Monica always has these really fancy, beautiful drinks with all the ingredients, and she has it, and it just looks gorgeous. And she's always like, what do you have? I'm like, well, I had this whiskey left, and then I, uh, I, could, I had some Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> it's my drink. Yeah. So that, that, that's how – that's where that came from. But I did I amp it up. I did bring some um, – the fuck was the name i can't remember but it was i brought a proper mixer last time so i'm getting more cultured more cultured. i love a drunk monica but she's also very classy about it That's yes she is that. yes she is <laughs> very funny yeah and she's people in our chat try to they try to get monica to go blue it's funny <laughs> yeah i've been i've been in a couple yeah. of those and it's, yeah. it's it's always great yeah um, i will so, remember getting her to put a picture of a black silky cock silky on black cock. <laughs> yeah yeah so oh my god that's great proud of that proud yeah of we, that. we got her one time and she's <laughs> she might get mad at me for bringing this up but um i don't remember what it, it, it was like a it was like a pornography term that somebody had put in in the chat 
it was like cream pie or some like disgusting term and, and she didn't know what it was and she asked what it was and she's like what is that and, and we we're just like i don't know look it up <laughs> and, and we watched her look it up on the thing and you could see her go oh guys oh, no. <laughs> okay That's not right yeah it was great um so my last wait let me think uh, yeah, my last question before I move into the very last question is one of my favorites. I got it from Michael Malice. Um, good, what like is it. your favorite thing about me? There's so many things. I, I like the I like the shirt. I like the beard. I, I'm gonna say the hair. I'm gonna say the hair and yeah. the and the attitude. I like the I like the openness <laughs> of the attitude and the the comedic attitude. <laughs> thank you what's funny is um hair since my hair got got longer like i've been wanting to grow my hair long for a long time yeah but it's like within the last like it's been long for a while but within the last maybe two months i've asked this question you know like i do and <laughs> the the mixture of the beard and the hair together seems to be like the resounding answer and i'm like maybe i'm doing something right yeah yeah, it, I'm just you, letting my letting it go. It's so crazy <laughs> the the way that people look at you and and approach you and talk to you when you have short hair versus long hair. I, I've I've had probably three three separate periods of my life where I've had really long hair. I, I do now have it in a, a man a man bun. I guess I call it out to get it out of the yeah. way. But it's like night and day different. I was at uh it was a, a girl I was dating at the time. I was at her house and I was on the phone with a friend of mine. And I was walking around the, the cul-de-sac and she was out there doing something in her garden, I think. And there were some neighbors having like a party and they saw me walking around this neighbor. I guess she hadn't seen me before. And she walked over to uh, my girlfriend at the time and I could see her like kind of pointing at me. I'm like, oh, she's she's talking about me because so I walked over to her. I took the phone down and I was like, are you discriminating against me because of my long hair? <laughs> and she was like, oh, and that's absolutely what she was doing. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I will oh, yeah. say, I did notice the man bun early on, and I was like, right on, dude. Yeah, Keep yeah. it going. I went for it. Because, <laughs> like, uh, th that's the thing. Like, over, I, I don't know when it started, but at some point in history, some dude in the army or in the Marines was like, it's not masculine to have long hair. And that person was full of shit. Yeah. Like, like look at look at all of the heroes of history before say the 1900s. You got some hair on those boys. Yeah, you got some beards on those boys. Thor, look at Thor. Right, you could play. I mean, Thor. I, can I mean, see that. You got a Thor. Well, yeah, I, I do get, I do get fat Thor a lot. Um, but I get, I get Loki when I have my hair out. So we could go as really? Halloween together. We could. We. You know what? I I feel <laughs> like I need to move to do some trips. So maybe. This October, yeah, I go to Georgia and I I hook up with all three of you. We could appropriate superhero culture. Absolutely, okay. if only um, to mock it in the Dadaist fashion, yeah. because I hate it. So. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I completely disagree with you guys, though. The minute the boogaloo starts to happen, I am cutting all of my hair off. You don't want to have something that people can like grab well, you. Oh, at. I agree. This with is that. a liability, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's. I mean, you got a nice little samurai say. knot up there. That's pretty cool. That's probably yeah. okay in a battle, but you got to like cut it off. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
and, and and that's what I hear as the reasoning. But then you 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 go into like uh, Native American Facebook or Twitter, and they're like, "Well, you keep the li- hair long because you can sense more, because it's an extension yeah. of yourself." That's how and I I'm read. Like, just maybe my hair. I drape it on books. Yeah. yeah, like like the only reason I know what my wife's thinking is because I throw my hair at her. <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> that was the plot. What was the tree movie with the blue people? Oh, is it that, was Fern Gully in oh, space. Yeah. Is that where the oh, trees? Avatar? Oh. Avatar. That's how they talk to the trees. They connected their hair to the trees. I'm just saying. It's all coming I'm together, you saying. guys. I, I think that trees are smarter than us sometimes. I look at them and I'm like, well, I mean, feel like just look at Joe Biden and you know. Yeah. That a tree has a little bit more, you know, earthly wisdom than Joe Biden. And Joe Biden. Have you guys seen they, they haven't done it as much lately? And I know you're getting to the last question, but have you seen the way they're packaging Kamala and her husband to the media where they're presenting them as like it's all it's almost like he's the gay husband. And he's like, oh, the oh, Kamala yeah. I know wears chucks and jeans. And in interviews, yeah. he's like, well, I met and I called her from a Dodger game. And my buddy was like, you should text her. I mean, he seems like he's gay the way they are presenting him. Well, you know who's gay? They both likes to lie about it. Yeah. Cory Booker. Like, very clearly, Rosario oh Dawson is that boy's beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how afterwards she's like, I don't think I'm going to date men anymore. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Did they break up? They did. Yeah. Like pretty shortly Good. after they got together. Yeah. They're yeah. definitely not. I was disappointed anymore. when she was and, dating him. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a waste. That's a waste. Cory Booker <laughs> is, is the, he's the, nothing but a performative all the time. I have big eyes. Yes. Cory Booker has big eyes and he like uses them like all yeah. the time to express his outrage. He's almost a corn pop, as it were. <laughs> That's what Joe Biden calls him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I lied. I have two more questions. Um, second to last question. <laughs> if you were to choose something to watch for the rest of your life that had the kind of oh, conspiracy, dystopian um, feel to it, would it be X-Files, Twin Peaks, or the short film Fun World? <laughs> it would be X-Files. I okay. love X-Files. I, I like all of those I like. I, I like as much as I wish Fun World had uh, multiple uh, seasons and episodes. That'd be great. But X-Files I love. So there was a somebody, I don't remember who, at Relapse, who had a bit about X-Files. And when the theme song would come on that their dad would come in and beat them as a child <laughs> and that the theme song would, his dad would come in saying, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> what did they sing it? They did. Then they sang it. Was it, Ke- was it Keenan? Was it? Did they have a guitar a lot? Was it a big guy? I'm I, I'm, I, I don't remember. I don't think it was done with a guitar though, but yeah. the point is every time I watch X-Files now, I associate it with that relapse yeah. bit and yeah. I sing, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Yeah, I don't remember the that. that. That could, that sounds like, I don't know. Maybe it might he, be uh Keenan. I'm, I'm not sure though, but he did that uh, joke every weekend where he talked about his dad beating him during yeah. the uh, intro <laughs> to X-Files. There's a lot. Have yeah. You, have you, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a, a Reddit, a guy on Reddit who will do these like copy pasta like length things where he'll talk he'll like give honest advice and then at the end he'll switch it to being about how his dad beat him with um <laughs> what was it um 
uh, uh, jumper so cables. When shit gets real right there. Oh like, all right, it's, it's, now it's time for it's, the... Uh, <laughs> it's so great because you never expect it until the very end where he's like, anyway, that's 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 how my dad beat me with jumper cables. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's that, all about how to build, like, a balsa wood plane. You, and you, at yeah. the end... Right. Yeah. You learn it's a lot exactly about like people and, and stand-up comedy is everybody goes through the phase where they're really dark. When I first started, I was really dark because you you learn that you know you, you want to use what's real about your life. And when you first oh, yeah. do that, you go really like intense with it. Like some people do. I did. A lot of other people do. Then you eventually learn to do it in a more comedic way instead of a depressing way. And uh, right. but when you go to op open mics are fantastic. You do hear a lot of the same stuff because people have to practice them. But just hearing the way that people explore their own, it's it's therapy. Yep. It really is therapy, yep. exploring it your is. own problems and troubles and, and, and making them putting them out there and then turning them into something funny. But there is oftentimes a lot of. Uh, my dad beat me. I, I, I was abused. <laughs> I, I mean, it can be. There's sometimes where you're kind of like, jeez. <laughs> but Bob, Bob used to do this thing, and it works. It really does work. And, and we would sometimes do this: is if you, if nobody's laughing, sometimes the, the material could be great. But if nobody's laughing, mm -hmm. because maybe the comic is newer and the presentation of it, it didn't mm -hmm. grab the audience right away, didn't connect with them. So nobody's laughing. And when nobody's laughing, nobody wants to be the first person to laugh because you'll feel stupid. So we would sit in the back and you get two or three people and you just ha, -ha start laughing together. Yeah. And even if it's bad, other people will start laughing. It, it, that's the whole laugh track thing really is effective. It works. That's, it's, some, that's something that Lisa would tell me. She's like, be a generous laugher. And so uh, if I could sense a quiet, I would laugh just even if it wasn't funny, just Lisa, to help the guy out. Lisa did a scene once where she was blowing marijuana weed out of her womb, and it was the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> All, right. All right. Before I ask my last I'm question. I'm going to call her tomorrow to talk about this. <laughs> before I ask my last question, um, I, I, I want to let people know where you are. And so uh, Brad Binkley here is a very important part of the propaganda report with Monica Perez, mm -hmm. which you can find at thepropreport.com and on your favorite podcatcher. I don't think there's one out there that she doesn't, that you guys don't make it onto. Um, if you want to follow Brad, who is obviously from this conversation, a great person to follow. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at freedom act radio. That's right. Um, and so is there anywhere else you want us to, to tell people to find you besides looking up fun world on Vimeo. <laughs> you can look up fun world on video, watch me play a really creepy sci-fi character and rockfin.com slash propaganda. Right, we, do, we do deep dives. We deconstruct the think tanks where they, they talk about how they're going to control and dominate the world. And really like clockwork, they say it and then you see it play out. So it really does kind of tell right. the future. And I also have a, I have a YouTube channel for, for now, anyway, they've started taking off videos from like four years ago, but youtube.com slash Brad Binkley. And I, I make videos where I do fake interviews with like Trump or Ossoff or whoever, Stacey Abrams. And I I put those up periodically. And I have a new one I'm doing with Joe awesome. Biden going up soon. So check that out. <laughs> awesome. And if you want to see by far the most beautiful watercolor paintings, 
in the history of the world ever. You can go to Instagram at Sovereign Cookies Art and see the evolution of an artist with uh, Miss Jessica Green took COVID and took these masks and said, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to make an art. And that's where you can find that. That's awesome. If you want to find her on, tw- if you want to yeah, find pay, her on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> if you want to find her on Twitter, you can find her at soup Canarchist, which I think is just a wonderful name. Uh, if you want to <laughs> find me on Twitter, it's at cam Harless. I say bad words. I like the C word. See you next Tuesday. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like to call politicians and celebrities that. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me there. Um, also, someone said to me today, if you're on YouTube, tell people to like and subscribe. So do that. Um, we're also on Locals, which is the like rock, uh, rock thin I hear is kind of like a. Um, it's like Netflix. It, it, it's YouTube. kind of like a. Oh, okay. Right. And so you, you, you buy into one artist and you get kind of everything from that um what locals is is kind of as if patreon and facebook had a baby so if you wanted to talk to the people that you listen to that's a good place to go if you want to find me and um jessica we are at the madones.locals.com we put it two dollars we make it the cheapest possible way for you to interact with us um if you want to listen to our show you can go to our website we are the madones.com or you can go on literally any podcatcher you can find. Um, we also, I, I like to make shirts. So I have two brand new shirts that are up in the store on Amazon. I'm going to make that better and get away from Amazon soon. But they're based on the fact that we're having Thaddeus Russell on the show. So I've got two shirts that say, uh, one of them is, This Country Was Built by Hookers, <laughs> with a picture of Maddie Stills. Which is true. And it's also going to be showing up in your mailbox this Friday, Jessica. Um, Secondly, we have one that's obviously we have one with the logo. And we also have that horrible caricature of an Irishman on a shirt that says uh, this country was built by scalawags. (laughs) So you can find those. I'll put those in those links in the description. And you can always find our show, every other show that we do, Voluntary Vixens, Thank You for Your Servers, Lesbertarian when she's up to it, um, Technoagorist, all of that is on mlganetwork.com. And I don't know why anyone would want to send me or Jessica an email because that's so passe. That's so 1998. <laughs> uh, but if you if you if you want to send an email to me or Jessica, you can send one to soupcan at mlganetwork.com. Or is it soup can it at wearethemadones.com? I think it's the the, the latter. Um, or cam at themadones.com. But you can send it to us and we'll get it. Yeah. With that, um, I have my last question for you, which is if you had a roommate, I don't know how you live in this world, but if you had a male <laughs> roommate. Oh my God. I forgot if he about came that. up to you. Yeah. And he said, hey, Brad, I really need you to wax my asshole. Yeah. Would you do it? Is this life or death situation? I think it's just a date situation. <laughs> Why would it be life or death? <laughs> Maybe there's a poison venom that can only be waxed off of his asshole. It's... Jeez. Let's, and yeah, let's I'd get my other roommate to do it. I, it uh... <laughs> So I will play us out on a video that I found thoroughly 
uh, uh, girly. Um, but uh, with that that answer, which is you'd make your other roommate do it. Um, uh, can I tell you a story a before video. you go out? Speaking of that, I, I, I got I got two tell guys me. to make out one time. I tricked them into making out in front of a crowd of people at relapse. Actually. How do you? It, 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 look, it was a brilliant. It was a brilliant Ooh. plan. And it, it worked really well. It was a Christmas party and we were having it relapse and there was a bunch of people there and it was the, I always say it wrong. I always say it was the, the white Santa or whatever. It's not the white elephant. People are like, oh, the white Santa? But no, it's the white elephant. Is that where you um you put the gift in yes. and then you draw numbers? Dirty yeah. Santa. Yeah, the fucking dirty ass Santa. And people go in and they pull the, they pull the numbers and there's there's a guy there that uh, um, I... I knew the guy. He was in my the stand up class. And I performed with him. He's got a big personality, and I knew that he would do anything for attention in, in the crowd. And there's another guy who was a friend of mine who, who didn't bring a, a present, and, and so I got my wheels turning. I was like, <laughs> and, and he was he was kind of bummed he couldn't play. And I was like, hey man, you should just write on a note. You know, everybody loves you, you're a charming guy. You should write on a note, a hug and a kiss from you. You know. And he's like, oh, good idea. And so he writes a hug and a kiss from him and folds it up in the paper and, and puts it under there. And, and I'm going around I'm going around telling other people, I'm like, here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. We need to direct this other person towards that note. Because I knew if this other guy, the one guy was a really big guy, big personality and a big, think Chris Farley type character. Yeah. And okay. the other guy was a tall, lanky, skinny guy with long, curly hair. So they were the opposing, uh, they were just complete opposites of each other. And I'm you know, telling everybody we need to direct him towards that. So I'm getting everybody in on it. And I keep going up to the, the big guy going, man, I wonder what's on that note. That's the, that's so intriguing. What, what do you think's in that note? You know? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then I'm like, I kind of want to get that one. Don't you want to, I might get it if I don't, if nobody's got it. Then I'm like, you fucking want to get that note. Don't you dude get that note. If you got any balls and, and he gets up there, it was his turn. And um, he picked the note, he picked the note. We, we got him to do it, and it said a hug and a kiss from so-and-so, and the guy came up there on stage in front of everybody, and, you know, the one, the skinnier guy was just kind of preparing for like a, you know, a peck, but no, 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 it wasn't going to happen that way. The big guy <laughs> grabbed the skinny guy, picked him up, legs dangling, arms flopping around. <laughs> and, and he just shoves his tongue down his throat for probably 30 seconds. It was the funniest thing I'd ever that seen in person rape. in my life. He I was yes, he did. Page. I was so proud of, of facilitating <laughs> that. Oh my god! We well, don't have time, but me... we're going to talk about more relapse <laughs> stories later. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yep. Let me just say, this was an absolute joy and a white pill of an episode for me. Yeah. So I appreciate you, and I'm not bullshitting you when I say anytime you want to come back, just tell me. All right. Yeah, yeah gonna, I had a great you're, time. You're yeah. going to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, you guys are fun. But with that, I will um, say my final lines and I'll play this ridiculous video and show everyone that uh, there are a couple people coming on to the show in the near future. Uh, a guy named Perky Biscuits, who is a streamer, will be coming next week. We have Ryan Burgett of Technoagorist fame coming in to talk about interdimensional beings. Oh, awesome. Which will be fun. Uh, then we have, I don't know if you heard this little online jam on Twitter of uh, uh, Woodchipper Goes Burr about pedophiles. Um, our boy Alex One, a.k.a. Acid Ropacy. I don't know how to say his Twitter handle. Um, and then finally, March 31st, we have Joshua Smith from the Mises Caucus. So an LP nerd, 
is going to be coming on. But with Love that, I need people. you to watch. I need you to watch this video, Brad. <laughs> All right. And then we'll be done. Okay. Right. Yeah. So everyone who's listening, if you made it two hours and 34 minutes into this thing, here's your you treat. deserve this. Seeing my roommate's asshole like a good roommate does. Lydia, I have a really important question. What? Um, will you wax my asshole? Oh, sure. Are you? What the fuck, I mean, that's how you can ask Michelle. Wait, what? Why, Lydia? I want to wax it. Because <laughs> I want to wax it. <laughs> I'd be way better at it than her. I don't get why you would ask her. Over me. <laughs> Great. That's so, what a real roommate would do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah not a male roommate. <laughs> who would imagine you happen to be living with two people who are great at waxing assholes? Yeah. <laughs> so with you. that, dear audience, as always, live the life you want to live how you want to live it. And don't take shit from anyone who says differently.